Good evening, ladies and charms. I'm your entertainer tonight, Mr. Franco Spinoza. I'm going to be playing some songs that I know you'll love. Listen to this one. Ho, listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 24 of the Square Waves FM podcast. Very, very pleased to have you all along for the ride, as usual. Uh, I am your host, Brian, and uh, I have an extremely special guest along for the ride today. Please introduce yourself, good sir. Hi, I'm Francisco Gonzalez, also known as Grunislav, and 24, how appropriate, that's my age. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No, I, I don't wish. 24 was a crappy year. Probably was for me too. I don't know. I'm not the no. kind of person that wishes I was younger or could relive. Yeah, events. no, same. Are you kidding me? No, 24 was probably wasn't that bad. I just like I just wanted to introduce some drama at the beginning of your podcast. <laughs> well, I I feel thoroughly dramatized now. Thank you very much. Everything everything's gotten all sepia toned and wistful. Good. I try. Yeah. How are you, Brian? Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm doing great. I have I think perfected the slothful slovenly arts by now, <laughs> having having elapsed almost two weeks of time off vacation. Uh, oh man, I, I've eaten so much good food over this vacation and done all this fun stuff with the misses. Not the least of which was podcasting with her, which was super cool. Oh, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, everything's great on my end. I can't really complain. How about That's you, good. bud? Uh, I'm doing all right. Just you know, getting work done and trying to trying to make it out there as a game designer and all that jazz. Um, I'm trying to think if anything exciting has really of note has really happened recently, except for like the Fourth of July. Not really. I mean, yeah, that's about it. Really, just you know, enjoying summer in New York by well, staying right. in my apartment. With yeah, the of course. On. That's the urban way. Yeah. I actually do remember, I, I read something from your Twitter feed that excited me anyway, and that was that you were going to make your return to the Adventure X conference again, right? In, uh, oh. England, is it? Yeah, yeah, in London. I was, actually, I was just uh, talking about that recently with uh, with Dave Gilbert. Um, yeah, the the, conf- the uh, thing hasn't actually been announced yet. I think they're still waiting for confirmation from the venue or something like that. But yeah, I had a really good time last time, so if... if it happens this year, which hopefully it will. I'm all on that. That's it was fun. Yeah, you uh, spoke last year as well. I watched it on YouTube, and that was a good time. Are you going to speak again? If you can, uh, yeah. If they'll have me, and if I can come up with a suitable topic, sure, I'd love to speak again. Oh, that's great. I would love to put your uh, your uh, talk in the show notes for our listeners to enjoy as well. You spoke oh, yeah, about thanks. you spoke about like brevity and narrative or something like that. Uh, I was. I, I think it was about uh, writing. In the do's and don'ts of writing in adventure games. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, r- watching the talk now, I realize I commit a lot of those don'ts that I talk about, so take it with a grain of salt, people. Oh, it's a whole do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do mentality when you're a speaker, right? Yeah, pretty much. I had a similar experience. I, I uh, gave, like, a 20-minute a talk lecture thingy at a 
uh, staff day for That's the right, IT department that I work at. And I remember uh, seeing a picture of you giving your talk. Oh, that was another one, as a matter of fact. That Look was, at you. You're a big speaker. Uh, a little bit. You should give me tips on how to speak. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do I know about speaking? What does anyone know about speaking? Anyway, you were saying... Well, I, I, I committed a, 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 a do as I do, not as I say, and mine as well. You're supposed to... Uh, well, since I work for a college, um, we are particularly beholden to things like uh, copyright law and fair use and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I was going to... In my first draft of my uh, talk, I was going to mention something about having to check all of your references and give a little thing about fair use and all of that kind of stuff. And then, of course, I found, like, the perfect animated gif of The Little Mermaid by Disney that totally <laughs> punctuated one of my other points. So I was kind of like, okay, fuck that. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just willfully neglect that little aspect of the, the... Well, what you could have done is you could have, like, opened it in a gif editor and just, like, changed her hair color to, like, yellow or something and then just been like, this isn't The Little Mermaid, it's the tiny siren. <laughs> it's fair use. You overestimate my my artistic ability. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, honestly. I bet you that uh, that would probably justify it being called a remix or something like that. Yeah, probably. Who what do I know say? about law? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> we were before I forget. You and I were chatting briefly before the show about The Sims and your yes. your aversion to picking it back up again <laughs> because it's such a habit forming game. It really is. It's like the crack cocaine of. Uh, computer games. It kind of is. I'm not going to refute that assertion by any means. <laughs> um, so I have I have the perfect uh, example of how this is totally correct. So as my listeners, I'm sure know by now, I am very much like a computer enthusiast and a tinkerer, and it's not uncommon for me to just kind of on a whim, uh, either by necessity or because I screwed something up or just for fun, just to reinstall my operating system and to start everything from scratch. I enjoy installing operating systems because I'm weird like that so (laughs) it was a frequent enough thing that I would because I mean I'm also a fan of the Sims game Sims games and so it was a frequent enough thing during the years of Sims 3 that I would want to format my PC and then soon after play Sims 3 Um, unfortunately because I don't own Sims on Steam like when I reformat my PC I install Steam and I have all my Steam games on a separate hard drive so I install Steam to that uh, game folder on my separate hard drive, and it automatically detects all of the games I had installed previously, and then they're good to go just like that, which is really convenient. Um, Sims 3, we bought on disc instead of buying it electronically. We do that so that my wife and I can both play it at the same time on our mm-hmm. PCs. It's not a multiplayer game, but we play the same game at the same time, like, not talking to each other. It's, like, super romantic. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, it was... So that means that every time I formatted my PC, and it was also one of those games where, like, even if you install it to another hard drive and you try to run it, it says that there's some dependencies missing or something like that. It's It kind of installs crap all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it means that you have to reinstall the game every time. Hmm. Now, by my count, we have something like... That we have the base game, which is one or two DVDs, and we have something like 15 or 16 little expansion pack content things that we bought over the years. Like, can you imagine this? We have... Oh, I can imagine it. I'm, I've 
I did the same thing. Okay, it's kind of hard to resist, I suppose. They come out yeah. just infrequently enough that by the time a new one comes out, you're like, oh, I guess I do miss playing that game, and it'll be great with a little bit of new content. Yeah. So that happened, like, a few times for, like, three years or so, so yep. there's this stack of Sims boxes, which is about as tall as I am, I suppose. <laughs> and so it's actually pretty quick to install an expansion pack off of a DVD because the way that they, like, format their installer... It just copies, like, two or three files for the new expansion content and sticks them into a folder. But what takes forever to install off of those DVDs is the HTML manual that comes bundled with every single one. So it installs the base game in, like, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. And then it takes, like, four minutes copying, like, literally 8,000 files in, like, 14 different languages Oh. from the DVD to my hard drive. I guess it's because of like the seek time on the laser of the DVD reader or something. It's so slow to pick up the start and end of a file. I don't know exactly, but... That seems it... so inefficient. It's very inefficient. You'd think they could just like zip it and copy over the zip and then unpack yeah. it. Or so. I don't know. So my solution then was to uh, make ISO copies of all of my uh, installation DVDs, and I store those on my hard drive. So I have, like, 18 uh, ISOs of The Sims. It's, like, 60 gigabytes of installers that I just keep on my separate hard drive so that I can install the expansions one after the other after <laughs> invariably when I get to lonely for my, my simmering time after a format. And I can install all 17 or so expansion packs in, I don't know, like, 20, 25 minutes or so. We stick on an episode of Futurama or something, and by the time it's done, I'm just about done. <sighs> So that's my exciting tale of <laughs> ripping <laughs> ripping my legitimate discs to ISO. I will say, however, that it's, qu- it's kind of cool of EA that's right in their end-user license agreement. They say that you can have your copy of The Sims running on, I don't know, like two or three or five machines all at the same time, as long as they're inside of one house, something mm-hmm. like that. So we avoided buying the game digitally because we were worried that we'd have to buy two copies, one for each of us, to play them at the same time. Mm-hmm. But in fact, now that we own Sims 4, uh, one of us can like take the Origin thing offline, and the other person plays online, and we can still play at the same time. And that's still in the in the end-user license agreement. They still permit that. So that's very permissive and generous of EA to allow two people to play the same game on two different machines. Yeah. At the same time. I mean, it sucks that we have to even think about such a thing in this day and age, but with yeah. online activation and all that, I appreciate that. This just goes to show you how how long it's been since I've played The Sims, because when you started telling your story and you mentioned about buying it on Steam, and like even now the whole idea of Origin and all that, mm-hmm. it's such a foreign concept to me when, with regards to The Sims. Because, I mean, I buy games on Steam all the time. Well, not all the time, but I buy most of my games on Steam nowadays when I buy games on pc and just like playing the sims via steam just seems so weird like i haven't admittedly i haven't played the sims since the sims 2 and some of their expansion packs so like yeah to me the sims was always about going to best buy and like picking up a boxed copy of it and sadly i don't have any of my boxes anymore but yeah i got all the expansion packs for the sims 1 up to hot date and and i got some expansion packs for The Sims 2 and sunk a lot of time into those games. Mm-hmm. But let's not start, let's not go down that rabbit hole or else we're never going to talk about what we're actually going to talk about today. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair let's enough. just say that I had very similar experiences to you and your wife. 
and everyone else who's talked about it. I, I, I sort of suspect that there's like two kinds of people in the world, the people who love The Sims and the people who don't admit to loving The Sims. Yeah. What else, what else could there be? I would say, I would go so far as to say that the world is divided into two people, the people who love The Sims and, and assholes. Okay, I, I'm all for it. <laughs> and someone, for it. someone on my Steam friends list just notified me that they're playing, or Steam just notified me that someone on their friends play, uh, fr- on my friends list has started playing The Sims 4, so how appropriate. Oh, okay. So they must have added that some other way, because you, you can't actually buy that one on Steam. Interesting. But you can, no. like, add your other games and oh, okay. tell other people what you're playing on Steam. Yeah. Hmm. I did that with DOSBox for a while, so that oh, okay. everyone could know what a hipster I am. <laughs> oh, actually, I did that for another reason, uh, now that I think of it. It's because uh, Steam has this, like, in-home streaming thing now, where you oh, can yeah, like, yeah. stream something to your TV or whatever. Yeah. So... We can, I I can like stream my screen to my wife's computer, which is right next to mine. But it's not like she's gonna crane her neck fourteen degrees. She wants to look straight ahead, right? right. So we can play Jones in the Fast Lane or something, and both look forward at our own machines, and both move our own mouse. Oh, okay. It's pretty awesome, actually, playing. Yeah, I, like playing I've, over the internet. I've done. I've tried it on my laptop with games that I have installed on my desktop, but not on my laptop, and it's mm. it works pretty well, surprisingly. I guess that's a good thing to do if you have like a powerful machine and a not so powerful machine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am very interested to hear what this correction of yours might possibly be. Because oh, as you right. may know, we've never been corrected on this show before, so I applaud your audacity to Really? You've never that... you've never been corrected on the air? Never once. Well, oh. actually, I, I'm pretty sure we have. I think Ben, <laughs> ben might have. I don't know. Oh, Everybody okay. corrects us. We've corrected ourselves on the air. Well, yes, I do have a correction. Uh, it's very much a macabre correction. As I told you, you weren't expecting. Uh, in your episode last week, you and Trolls mentioned uh, flaying and flogging. Oh, yes. And you both agreed that it was the same thing. When, <laughs> in actuality, there are two very different forms of torture. Oh, do t- as I recall, I think I suggested they were the same thing. And I think Trolls reached into the depths of his vocabulary and found that like they were, they were somewhat different. But please do elaborate. Yes, well, flogging is uh, when you whip, when tortured by whipping, which either you can whip someone, you can flog someone, or you can self-flog or self-flagellate, as some religious extremists may. Mm-hmm. And flaying is actually torture by removing the skin from a person while they're still alive. Oh, really? As you can see in, uh, there's, a, there's a piece by Michelangelo uh, I forget what it's called, but it basically depicts like Judgment Day. It might even be called Judgment Day. Look, now I'm probably going to get a correction from art historians saying that's not the name of the painting. <laughs> but uh, there is a painting by Michelangelo in which uh, it depicts Judgment Day, and it's got all these people like on the right hand of God and the left hand of God, and, you know, people ascending to heaven and descending into hell. And there's a little Easter egg hidden in that painting in which there is, I don't remember if it's God or someone is holding a flayed skin and the flayed skin is actually Michelangelo. So he snuck his little self-portrait into that painting by being a, a, a sort of a rag of flayed skin. Oh, that's, that's so there's, splendid. How Hitchcockian. Yeah, and... yeah, there's a little bit of trivia there for you. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's a flattering self-portrait. Well, thank you ever so much for clarifying that that's delightfully delicious detail. Yeah, if you need any more uh, any more clarification on torture methods, um, I might be able to help you, but I can't guarantee it. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're on. My wife and my wife uh, went to England with her dad just after high school for a vacation, and they visited a couple of like museums of medieval torture. Or oh yeah, sure. They've got one of those in Siena, in Italy too. I I, I remember being there in uh, 2010, and half of our group went. Well, more than half of our group went to Siena and went to the Museum of Torture. I opted to go to Florence instead, which I think was probably the better choice. But yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well. Did you do something more worthwhile in Florence than, than seeing uh, the skin peelings? I stood in line in the rain for a while waiting to see David and got entertained by an odd man in a window playing bagpipe music and coming to the window and showing the people waiting in line <laughs> random objects like tartans and <laughs> paintings of horses and things like that. Oh, those all sound very Italian. So, yeah. No, I, yeah, I don't think he was Italian. He might, I think he was... He I've got was, my suspicions. Yeah. He was a weird guy, but it was fun. That's interesting. And then we gave up and didn't see David after all, so... Oh, crud. That's yeah. a shame. Yeah, I know. It was rainy, and, and it was... I actually didn't get to see very much at all, actually. It was it was kind of a whirlwind trip, but it's okay. Oh, that's a shame. More my, excuse to go back. My parents went to... I don't know if it was Florence or Rome, but they said that just the... Walking around outside, it's like being in an art gallery with all these uh, oh, statues yeah. and stuff that, everywhere. Yeah, that alone is worthwhile. I mean, I don't feel like I didn't see anything because, yeah, just walking around that area, you see all the beautiful art. But, yeah, I didn't get to go inside anywhere. But it's okay, as I said. Well, having just gone on a road trip with the missus, I am more resolute than ever in our strategy to kind of... Well, assuming you have your own your own uh, car, I suppose. I, I, I like that we will choose one major activity for us to do, and then we'll kind of wing it for the rest of the trip depending yeah. on the length of it i suppose but we we kind of happened across a bunch of fun fun little things that we wouldn't have found if we were planning oh yeah no absolutely i i always feel the same way uh as far as like travel goes i'm not the type of person to set up a strict itinerary i'm just like okay i want to maybe do something and then from there on out just kind of play it by ear and yeah you do get a lot more interesting experiences that way i find i think so yeah right on all right. Well, thank thank you once again for correcting us. About <laughs> our, our you you've exposed our ignorance in the matter of skin peelings. Eh, it's probably a, a good area to have ignorance in, to be honest. Well, thank you for robbing us of that in, innocence. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Good. Um, I got a tweet from uh, Akago not long hmm. ago, letting me know that uh, a game called Subspace Continuum was just released on Steam. So he I, he, I had to ask him to remind me. He says that he thinks that I we we've spoken on that. We we being our square wavy hosty people had spoken about mm. this game at some point. I don't really remember it, but it looks like a really interesting game, like free to play, massively multiplayer online game. I, I immediately think of something like uh, an RPG where you go and kill forty three spiders and turn in your quest or something. But just peeking at the screenshots. There are like screenshots of like spaceships flying around. There were screenshots of uh, like an isometric view of like uh, people with laser guns firing up and down a cliff at each other. There was a screenshot of a hockey arena and two hockey teams playing hockey against each other, uh, all in the same game. Wow! So it seems like it it must be like some kind of a platform for open ended game design or something like multiplayer versus gameplay of huh. different types. So I really got to check this thing out because yeah. those are all kind of one of these things is not like the other, except everything is not like the other. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Hmm. 
All right. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like uh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really have anything to say. I just started talking. Please continue. <laughs> That's why I brought you here. <laughs> so good to have you aboard, Francisco. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm very. I was very pleased last time I was on. How you described me as charming and boisterous. Those are two adjectives I, I, that I've found quite pleasing. I've never been called that before, so that's good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, I will say my wife was positively swoon, swooning with your... <laughs> oh, no. ...regaling her <laughs> with the songs of your sweet tins, and, <laughs> or the, those of your acquaintances. <laughs> yes, yes. Too cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, sir, what have you been uh, playing this week? I've been playing a lot of stuff, actually. Um, I've been trying to get back into playing games rather than just saying, I don't have time to play games. Um, oh, good stuff. I've actually been playing a lot of games over the past couple of weeks. Uh, this week in particular, I haven't played a lot because I was going to play... I, I have a couple of games lined up to play this weekend. Uh, I'm going to play Anna's Quest, which is the Daedalic's new release, which was designed by uh, Dane Krams, who is a lovely Australian fellow who lives in Brisbane, who was kind enough to let myself and Ben stay at his place uh, when I went to Australia back in 2013. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, Dane actually has been on the Blue Cup Tools podcast. He was on... Uh, and I forget what number, but he was on talking about art, and he's a he's a great guy. So I wanted to check in check out that game. Um, but as that far that name sure sounds familiar. Is that like a role playing game, or what? What kind of a game is it? It's an adventure game. It's a it's a cartoony sort of. Uh, he's been working on it for a really long time, actually. Um, and Daedalic picked him up uh, as a publisher, which is really cool. Um, it's sort of like you play a little girl with telekinesis and uh, there's a witch that has her imprisoned and so she has to escape and like go on a quest, I guess. Um, I don't really know much about it aside from that, so I'm, I'm looking forward to going into it blind. Um, I'm just peeking at the screenshots. It's very cartoony. And, yeah, yeah, Dane's style. That's lovely. Yeah, Dane has a really cool cartoony style and more power to him for doing hand animation and high res because that is not easy to do yeah it's beautiful I really like his kind of simplified style of like two tone shadows yeah. and stuff to kind of give a little bit of depth it's really mm -hmm. neat yeah um, oh, well, I'd love to hear what you think about this on uh, your podcast I'm sure you'll talk about it yeah yeah um, aside from that what I've been playing I played Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis again last weekend oh good stuff how'd that go uh, it was pretty good I hadn't played it in about 10 years so it was good to get back into it, and I don't know if it's because I'm, I look at adventure games with a bit more of a critical eye nowadays, or if I just am getting old and grumpy, but there, was, there were some parts of it that I felt didn't really hold up. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly like the end bit where you get to Atlantis. You, have you played it? Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I finished it. Yeah, so when you get to Atlantis, it kind of falls apart a little bit gameplay-wise, because... I mean, I really like the whole three-path thing. I think that still holds up. Mm -hmm. Some of the puzzles are a little iffy. I mean, I, I played the team path, and um, most of the puzzles are pretty cool. I, I'm particularly fond of the bit where you have the seance, and you have to get Indy to wear a sheet and the mask and scare the guy out of the... <laughs> <laughs> the hotel room. Oh wow! I don't um, remember that. I must. I think I chose the Bron path or whatever that's called. The fist yeah, the, fi the fist path. Um, actually, I think my favorite one is the wits path because there's a pretty cool car chase that you get to 
to do. Hmm. But um, but yeah, when you get to Atlantis, there's a lot of backtracking if you don't pick up certain items. Like throughout the whole game, every inventory item pretty much has only one use. But when you get to Atlantis, there's a couple of inventory items that have multiple uses. And if you leave them in place, you kind of get screwed when you get to the place that you realize you need them and have to backtrack. And Atlantis is big and there's no like mm. quick travel option and stuff. So there's that. And like if you run out of Oracalcum, you have to make more, which you have to pick up an item that you used for something else to do it. And it's just, it's really kind of a slog. And there's a maze at the very end, which I had forgotten about, which I hate mazes, you know that. And. Mm-hmm. Is and that the like, one where you have to like there's there's like thirty doors and you yes, have to oh yeah yes, yeah yes I I remember all too well yeah and yeah so I mean it's easy to get through if you save your game and kind of go back and forth which I had to do a couple of times but it's just it's annoying to have to do that um, so yeah I mean overall yeah. it's still a great game but it just yeah it has it has plenty of design flaws but what game doesn't really yeah sure. Um, I also played Her Story, which you very generously gifted me on Steam. Thank you oh, for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my pleasure. How'd you enjoy that? I enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. Um, it was really interesting. Like, I, I played it, and I really enjoyed it, and then I read a write-up about it, because I'm a weirdo like that. Like, anytime I see a movie or something or play a game, I'll, I'll read a Wikipedia article about it or something just to kind of see what the general consensus is, or maybe I missed something, and I'm like, oh, so that's what that meant. Okay. So, I yeah, I did the same thing with Broken Age when I finished it, because I... Well, we'll talk about that one, too, because I know... Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, her story was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I just... I thought it was really interesting. The article I read pointed out how, like, the charm of it is the fact that it'll be a different experience for every player. Like, they'll, they'll uncover different bits of information at different times. Mm-hmm. And I think... I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it, but... I think for me that sort of really cool aha moment was the having to do with taps, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. And yeah, and figuring that out on my own. Uh, that that to me was like the the highlight of the experience. Uh we couldn't um, be bothered to figure that out. We looked that up afterwards and that uh, added okay. a small dimension of what Yeah. of what was happening. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was good and I mean it was it was brief, which was fine because, you know, who wants to play a game that lasts hours and hours and hours and hours these days? Mm-hmm. Um I figured I think I pretty much completed it to the point where I was satisfied that I knew what was going on after about like an hour and a half or so. And then I spent the rest of the time just hunting for all the rest of the clips. So I think I clocked in about 3 hours total, which is which is a perfectly decent amount of time for a, for a game of that nature especially considering that like you know it's not really an it's essentially just like a database simulator which is fine it's cool yeah it's a it's a really compelling and unique kind of uh, core loop if you want to call it yeah. that i guess for our listeners who haven't tried it this is a game where you kind of have like a story that's told out of order and you get little little clips of different interviews and you are doing research on a computer and the way that you can invoke uh, and uh, reveal some more uh, clips is to search for a word that the subject uh, says mm-hmm. in her dialogue. So often you'll watch a, a little clip and uh, the subject will say something that will either give you a direct clue about what to type next or you can kind of infer from what's been said what you might type next. Did you try typing in swear words? Uh, I think we did. I did. We must have. 
Yeah, she says she says there's like ten clips where she says fuck, so that was mm-hmm. pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> fun to, fun to see what uh, <laughs> invokes such such language. Yep. We also tried a bunch of pie in the sky stuff. We searched for like the and she oh, and no. yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's when we were really grasping at straws. But then uh, we we uh, ended up relying at the very end on uh, a, a terrible tip given to us by Augustin Cortez, Cortez uh-huh. uh, which um, was that you can search for the word blank oh, or something yeah, like that, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. the only tag in videos that you haven't watched. Yeah, that's right, because you can tag your own videos after you watch them. That's right. So as long as you write something in every... Every, yeah, uh, yeah. If you replace the word blank or empty or whatever it is with right. something else, then you can invariably watch them all. So we mm. so we cheesed it out. We probably got about eighty percent through all of them. We cheesed it out and uh, watched the rest of them like that. Then we found on YouTube, um, uh, uh, the whole thing was in order. And yeah. in fact, uh, if you own the version on PC, there's a tablet version too. But if you own the PC version, um, it's just AVI files that you oh. can watch on your hard drive if you want to. But uh, we watched it on YouTube because there was a version with all the subtitles on. Right. That tends to be how we like to watch uh, pretty much everything. Okay. Well, that's cool. So we did that. And so seeing it all in order kind of gave a little bit more context to some of the things being said. Yeah, yeah. But that's on my played this week list as well, even though I guess we played it last week, but I didn't really talk about it. But we enjoyed that game a whole lot, and it just seemed really fresh and new. Yeah, it was really interesting to see that whole you know, like FMV used in that way, just as a video, oddly enough. Um, it was, and know. I wish we could see a lot more FMV, honestly. I think that's... I mean, this yeah. game is a great example of how untapped it is. I mean, I I am of the unpopular, I think, opinion that I love Dragon's Lair, uh-huh. Even though it's a very unforgiving and like there's there's no there's no real room for creativity as a player, but I love the visuals and I love the way that some kind of a gameplay element was tacked onto it to make you in some like to put the player in some kind of control of those visuals. Um, and uh, her story, I mean, it's not a very sophisticated game. The the things that you do to uncover it, I mean, you can describe it in a sentence. But yeah. it remains enjoyable because it kind of has its own challenges. So I would love to see more FMV games kind of exploit that sort of a... Yeah, thing. I'd like to see them with a little bit more expanded gameplay, too. Because like, the idea of searching for clips is cool, but if you think about it, there's not really much game there, aside from just your own personal satisfaction of uncovering the story. I mean, honestly, there's not really... Not to spoil it, but there's not really an ending, per se. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like, okay, well, I'm satisfied that I know what happened, and that's it. Now I can move on with my life. There's sort yeah. of, you know, there's a there's an interesting little, not really twist at the end, but it's, I guess it is kind of a twist at the end, where through, like, one sentence, it kind of frames the narrative. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, well, that was kind of interesting. But you know. I kind of found that to be the case many, many times over the course of playing this game, that there were all these little kind of incremental revelations Yeah, where something would be said, and we'd be like, oh, I guess this actually meant that, and I guess she's probably going to say this or that next. Mm-hmm. But then something else would be said, and we'd have to kind of reframe our assumptions and, and reorganize things. I, I just found that, like, kind of on a recurring basis, I found it really refreshing and... yeah. Exciting. Well, I, yeah, I meant more along the lines of the the message that you get, um, right? Yeah, but which yeah, 
that was that was interesting. But as yeah, so sure. Anyway. <laughs> oh, and did you play the game? By the way, and there's one option whether you want to play with uh, reflection on. Yes, actually, did, I did you keep that on. I turned it off for a good part, but then I put it back on, and I got scared. <laughs> Let's just say that. Okay. Well, that that adds a little, if not a new dimension, then it adds a little hint. Yeah. Well, you actually you, you actually are. get a Steam achievement uh, for that bit. If oh, that, what? oh yeah. really? For what? For, for living on the whole time? No, you get a Steam achievement for for the thing that made me jump. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, I, I we played it on my wife's Steam account. Uh, she uh, is occasionally obsessive about achievements and so oh, she was determined to 100 it i feel her pain i used to be that way too i i can't but then i ran out of time <laughs> right i can't be bothered but there's one achievement where uh it's actually really clever there's one achievement where there's a two-player game that you play yes it's like uh, othello or go or whatever that's the uh, one achievement i didn't get because i couldn't I, be bothered to play the game oh that's understandable well, it's I, it shouldn't be too much of a spoiler to say that the way you get this achievement is to have a tie game where the two sides have an equal number of uh, tiles showing. Mm-hmm. So there's only it's very hard to get that. So we just found a walkthrough and uh, she followed it step by step because what it, what an achievement that must feel like. Yeah, <laughs> follow a script. But I just thought, considering the revelations in the story, that was a really awesome. Yeah, that's idea. not not yeah, it is an awesome idea. Not although maybe not that subtle, but cool nonetheless. Yeah, not subtle <laughs> at all, but that, that that was cool. Oh well. Oh well. Yeah. Um I also actually speaking of of achievements and trophies, I actually replayed Dishonored uh on PS3. Uh, ah, you mentioned that's right. How do you yeah. like that game? Oh, I love that game. Uh, that that was my game of the year 2012, to be honest. Mm. And I hadn't played it since 2012. And so picking it up again and playing through it, I mean, because it's it's not a very long game. You can play it through in like two or three sittings, depending on how long you play it for. Um, there was actually a few trophies I hadn't played at, or I hadn't gotten, and the the game the game rewards you for with trophies for different styles of play. So one of the trophies I hadn't got. Uh, I hadn't gotten was playing through the entire game without upgrading any of your supernatural powers. Mm. So I did that, which made it a little bit more of a challenge, which was pretty cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, I played through it, I platinumed it, and I was happy. But I was also happy to play Dishonored again. And playing it again made me realize how big an influence it is on the game I'm currently working on. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so that was, among, amongst other things, Dishonored is a pretty big influence on it. Um, but yeah, it was cool. That's um, cool. Yeah, I, I own that game. I don't know how far I've gotten through it. I started it once. I got like an hour in, and I was like, "Meh." I yeah. tried it again because it got all these amazing reviews, and people that I that I like and trust loved it. So I figured there's got to be something to it. Mm-hmm. And I got about two hours into it, and I went meh. <laughs> and now, most recently, I think I got about three and a half hours into it or so before I went meh. Yeah, I don't know what it is that doesn't click with me about it because I think it's unbelievably gorgeous. Yeah, um, the dialogue is like intelligent and articulate and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I even I, I'm usually not the kind of person who like stops to read like little uh, letters and books and stuff all over the place. Oh, there's tons of that in this. I, yeah. I read every single one because I thought they were fascinating and they yeah. really add to kind of the mood and the depth of the universe. Like all the elements are there, and for some reason it just refuses to click with me, and I don't mm. understand why. That's a real shame. How how far into the game did you get in your playthrough? Because I know you can easily spend the first hour just like escaping the prison in the first 
mission. Right. I got through the prison, and I think I'm in the next... I'm either one or two areas after that, where you're, like, in a great big kind of open city. I think I'm two areas past that. I won't call right. it, like, an open city, but... I think it's the area that starts off with um, guards throwing bodies from a big yeah, pile yeah, off yeah, a bridge yeah. into the water. Okay, yeah, that'll so be the first... There's a lot to do in that area. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's actually funny because the first two missions both start in that area, which I think is kind of a strange design choice because you kind of go over the same area. But what they managed to do to make it interesting is that first mission is nighttime, is at night and like you do different things. And the second is during the day and like as a response to what you do in the first mission, they've closed off certain areas and they've add, they add more security and stuff like that. But yeah, I would argue that the game doesn't really come into its own until you start with the assassination missions because you know there's the whole escape thing and then you get your powers and you kind of like meet the rebels and all that stuff and it's it's laying the groundwork but it's not until you get into the main bit that you kind of realize how many different ways of doing things you can you can experiment with and that's that's what becomes the interesting part of the game Oh, so maybe I am further than that, because I do have powers, and I've bought a bunch of upgrades, mm -hmm. and I've seen many areas where I have, like, sufficient powers where I can, like, scale a building in two or three different ways. Yeah. Um, I tend to like gameplay like that, too. So I don't know what the heck mm. my problem is. I'm just being a snob or something. Oh, well, it's all right. Not everything, not everything clicks. I want it to click. I like yeah, games. Yeah, I know. What's the matter with me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that is a really gorgeous game, though, and I love the art style. I love kind of the elongated faces and the tall yeah. uh, architecture and stuff. Yeah. And they're I love that everything really... looks kind of lived in. Yeah, they're all really uh, ugly, horrible people. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's kind of like, I don't know, Oliver Twist's sort of a... Yeah, yeah it's this sort of weird, like, steampunk industrial revolution era thing. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, the only other major game that I've played in the past couple of weeks has been Broken Age, which... Oh, did you finish it? I did finish it. I played it all in one sitting. I hadn't played it. I had been constantly saying that I was going to wait until it was a whole to to play the whole thing. Ah. And I played it over two days. I played part one on Saturday, and I played part two on Sunday. Oh, how'd it go? I really liked part one, mm -hmm. and I liked part two. And I know that you were very disappointed in part two. And I'm curious to know what it was about it, because I, I had a conversation with Dave Gilbert as well, who also didn't like it, and I read John Walker's Why Broken Age Act Two's Story is a Horrible Mess article. Mm. And while I, I thought that some valid points were raised, I couldn't really... I mean, I don't know, I just can't... Well, tell me what your impression was, and then I'll tell you what I thought. Okay, sure. And I apologize if I'm repeating anything I might have said in, on previous shows. Oh, it's I don't okay. really remember what I said, but um, part one, I was like just totally spellbound. I thought it was... Well, I, I don't think I needed a walkthrough at all, or maybe I needed one hint in all of the first half, mm -hmm. which is totally okay with me. Like, I'm not the most clever guy in the world, so I invariably get stuck in every adventure game I play. Mm -hmm. So this one was on the easier side, at least the first half was, and it kind of kept things moving very well, and... Even if I was stumped, I would try a few different things, and like in retrospect, something that I might have stumbled upon kind of made sense of the fractured logic of that uh, kind of like surreal uh, place. Mm -hmm. um, I love the characters, I love the art style, I love the dialogue and the voice acting and the music, and I thought there were terrific jokes. It was a really just pleasant, enjoyable 
place to occupy. Um, and I was, I just could not wait for the second half after finishing the first one. I played the first half twice. Mm. Um, once, uh, once again, uh, a couple of weeks or so until the next half was going to get released. Um, second half was released. I have to remember now because I haven't played it since it just just came out. Um, just what I remember was I did enjoy it quite a bit. About the first like half of the second half, so let's just call that the third quarter because mm-hmm. that's what be a sensible way to call it. Yes. Um, was a little disappointed, I guess, that I was doing quite so much backtracking. Yeah. Um, and my biggest problems really were that the difficulty felt like it had been dialed up quite a bit. I needed to consult a uh, walkthrough more than a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, just because I was super stuck, but eventually because... Oh, Hello? Hello? Shit, I'm stupid. I, we were just talking about me and my <laughs> big fat thumb li- hitting my damn mute button. This happens every freaking week. I need to do something about that. Where, where did I, I think we should where have, did I cut off? I think you should have like a, a weekly contest to see how long it'll take every podcast before you hit the mute button. And whoever may gets, as well. gets a prize. Ugh, may <laughs> as well, man. You were talking about how uh, you had to consult a walkthrough several times. You felt... That you, yeah, you had to consult a walkthrough several times. Okay, shit. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, I, uh, I thought everything, yeah, everything was just consistently gorgeous and pleasant and enjoyable to look at and the place to be. You, you meet some more characters, and I enjoyed the relationships between the protagonist and the new characters, and learning new things about uh, the protagonist as you discover things. But there was a lot of backtracking. Um, and sometimes backtracking was okay, and sometimes backtracking was like literally back forth, back forward, back forward, just to solve an individual puzzle. Mm-hmm. But for me, the biggest, the biggest sin is one that I talked about uh, in the context of other games, which is where you have two protagonists, and one protagonist is solving a puzzle based on information that only the other protagonist knows. Mm, yeah. That really ticks me off. And the whole final puzzle yeah. seemed to be like that, and I hate that. I thought that was really punishing. I was taking screenshots and stuff like that, right? which is very artificial and totally sucked me out of the game. I was dying for the game to be over. And then I felt like it ended too quickly. Like, it was a real anticlimax at the end. They could have added, like, one more scene just to kind of tie things together, but I found it very abrupt and unsatisfying. Mm. But I, I'm completely open to rebuttal. Well, actually, I don't really have much of a rebuttal because I agree with you. Like, I like the idea of uh, of kind of going through the same environments from part one just with switched protagonists. Um, I like that, actually. Although it's true, like, in my conversation with Dave, he pointed something out, which was the fact that Shay is, like, completely okay and he treats everything... Like, Considering that he's a kid that's grown up on a spaceship his whole life, he basically is just, like, okay with the real world, and, like, he he isn't really surprised with anything. It's just kind of, like, par for the course for him. Yeah, you'd think that he would be challenged by having been so sheltered his whole life. Yeah. I thought that was inevitable. Like, the first, when he talks to the mayor guy, and he's like, oh, I've discovered an alien creature, or whatever, there's kind of a glimpse of that, but it kind of gets thrown away really quickly. Um... 
Yeah. And yeah, Although he, was... he's like training for that inevitability, I suppose. Yeah. So maybe that's what he's calling upon. I guess maybe. But um but yeah, I mean, yeah, there was a couple of puzzles that I also agreed. I had to use a walkthrough a couple of times too. And it was frustrating because there were some puzzles where I I knew what had to be done, but I couldn't figure out what the game wanted me to do in order to get there. Yeah. Um I don't want to spoil puzzles, but I actually talked about it a little bit on the Blue Cup Tools podcast. There's one in particular, there was one puzzle in particular where I kind of felt like the logic behind it was a little obtuse as far as like, I mean, I'm sure you'll know which one I'm talking about if I lightly describe it, but there's a puzzle where you have to describe something that you see for like two seconds and you kind of have to describe it using a description that is not entirely accurate. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that puzzle took me a really long time to figure out. Um, and I sort of had to work backwards, like preparing, like memorizing what the things, the descriptions were going to be before seeing the image and then kind of applying it to the image when I saw it. Rather that might have been one that I used screenshots for. Yeah, it probably it, it definitely would have helped to take screenshots. Um, and yeah, there was a couple of like puzzles involving wiring that were annoying, that were kind of meh. And I actually, once I got to the end sequence, I basically relied on a walkthrough the whole time because I was just, I just kind of felt like, you know, I, I know I'm close to the end. I want to see this through to the end, but I can't be bothered to solve these puzzles. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I basically did that. Although, you know, having said that, I didn't feel that it was enough to ruin my experience overall of the whole thing. And as I said, I don't think it's a great adventure game. It's not up there with the classics or anything. It's not a particularly like great memorable game. But it's nice to see something else coming from Tim Schafer and and Double Fine and everything. So oh, it sure is a, a, a brand new IP nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I and as far as the ending, like I didn't think it was super abrupt. I kind of wondered a little bit about the whole reason for why it happened, but I mean, I liked the little coda during the end credits where you kind of see little funny drawings of how everyone ended up and stuff. So yeah, that was nice. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was. I didn't find it a disappointment. I just, you know. But I don't know. Maybe if I had played it in two separate parts, I would have felt differently. Maybe. I mean, I think you probably played it the right way. It should be a cohesive thing yeah. that you kind of digest in one go. That's how games really are. Which is the way I'm starting to feel about Dreamfall chapters, honestly. But <laughs> mm. I need to get back into that. I almost forgot about that game. Yeah, it's. I probably would wait until the whole thing is out, to be honest. Cause, it doesn't bug me that much, really. Well, the thing is, I mean, I'm assuming you've played The Longest Journey in Dreamfall. Oh yes, yeah. I think twice. Yeah. Each. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, because we 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 had that conversation about the Elations and how they're so right. <laughs> yeah, but so you know that the the theme or the the thing that that kind of those games are known for is the fact that they kind of have a really slow start, and so the Dreamfall chapters does the same thing, but since it's episodic, it doesn't really translate as well. Hmm. So, yeah, I think it might work better just as a full game. Well, maybe it's a superficial thing, but the fact that they call it chapters, the fact that I know it's episodic, yeah. kind of keeps my my expectations in check a little bit, whereas 
uh, Broken Age was not really intended to be released in halves. They kind of did that by necessity, and I think in part to raise money from the first half in favor of the second half. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, when they first announced Dreamfall Chapters, they said, oh, yeah, it's going to be episodic. And then they said, no, never mind, it's going to be one full game. And then after they kickstarted it, they were like, oh, never mind, it's going to be episodic again. So they kind of waffled on that. So who knows? That's right. Well, I think in my mind... You know there are some there are some developers that uh, have won me over so thoroughly that I will kind of take with a grain of salt anything that they make. Yeah, and I think Tim Schafer is one of those people, and uh, Ragnar Tornquist is one of those people. Yeah, um, Tim Schafer lost me a little bit because of <laughs> because of the ending to Broken Age. I still love the guy to bits, and I will still buy pretty much anything that he makes, or at least any adventure game that he makes. I haven't really been interested in some of the puzzly, arcadey RPG stuff that they've made. Mm. But Ragnar Tornquist, I love his writing so much, and I love the worlds that he builds, and I really love his protagonists and his characters. So, uh, I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt until he proves me otherwise. Mm. Well, that being said, I got stuck on something where you have to like chase a guy around, a, a courier or something oh, in the yeah, second yeah, chapter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I did that for like 15 minutes, not knowing what to do, and getting bored of waiting for him while I was sitting in some <laughs> hiding spot. That was like a month and a half ago, and I haven't come back to it, so I really gotta... You really just have to run after him until you get to the right point, and then it triggers a cutscene. Oh, hell. Okay, yeah. that's what I figured. I didn't know if I had to ambush him or something. Um, I'll try that again. It's sadly not very creative, but okay. I digress. So yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Alright, well, I'm glad we talked about her story. Because uh, that was a really memorable one, and it's one of those games that I probably won't play again, just because. Yeah, there's once... there's kind of really no replay value there, aside, unless you like just haven't finished all the clips and want to go back to it. But yeah, right. No, yeah, we we watched them all. We watched them all in the game, and then we watched them all in order on YouTube. So mm-hmm. we uh, kind of flogged that pony as much as we can. <laughs> How's that for a metaphor? I think I just made that up. Ah, there you go. Well, as right. long as you don't flay the pony. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, man, can I just interrupt real quick and say that I saw the most Park Slope thing today. Um, sure. Park Slope is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, for those of you who don't know, who, which kind of has this sort of... Uh, its reputation is the fact that it's where all like the hipsters or the young yuppies move when they have kids. And uh, kind of, you know, it's like double-wide strollers and babies in bars and things like that. Okay. Um, I saw a little kid couldn't have been more than like four or five years old riding a wearing a helmet riding a pony down the sidewalk while his parents were like oh here's your pony taking like video on their ipads wow (laughs) yeah it was it was kind of surreal to be honest for some reason it bugs me when people are recording video with an ipad oh i hate it when people take pictures or record video with an ipad it looks so stupid if you're if you're rich enough for an iPad, you're rich enough for a phone. Yeah, or a What's camera that? for that matter. Because I, I, me when we were on vacation, I felt guilty enough, like thinking about, oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to look at the pictures of this later, and I'm, I had to tell myself, wait, I'm here now, I should look at yeah. the damn thing. Yeah. So it's like to have a completely vision obscuring slab yeah. in front of you. It sort of removes you from where you are. I feel. Yeah, it really does. No. Well, but then there's the pony, which I suppose was the more shocking of the things that you said, and if I weren't yeah. so nerd, I might have focused on that to begin with. <laughs> That's quite something. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, neato. Anyway. I have this I have this great <laughs> photograph of when I visited the CN Tower in Toronto with um an out of town visitor. Mm. 
Um, there's a for those who aren't familiar with the CN Tower, it's just this like really really tall tower with this kind of a bulbous observation deck at the top. It kind of looks like a, like an olive on a toothpick, I suppose you might say. This building, mm-hmm. so you like stand in the olive uh, part, and there's this area that has like a glass floor. So mm-hmm. that you stand on the floor and you look down, and you can see the city of Toronto underneath you. Mm-hmm. And I have this awesome photograph of some kid playing with his PlayStation Vita. While standing on the glass floor, so he's like playing Street Fighter oh. or something, like completely oblivious to this awesome sight right underneath him, or how <laughs> I don't know. It's something that that people like stand on and they barf because they can't take the sensation of yeah having so little between them and like oblivion. You want to hear? You want to hear how much of an asshole I am? Oh yes, I do. So I visited the CN Tower and I went with some friends who were afraid of heights and I got them to stand on that glass thing and I jumped oh. up and down. <laughs> Oh, good man. Good man. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yep. Good. Did they did they they rue the day they met you? Probably. But most people do, so. <laughs> okay, that's, that's true. I already do. Yeah, good. Anyway. By the way, if you ever visit the CN Tower, yes. Um I I'm, I'm telling you this like way too late, of course. <laughs> um don't buy a ticket to go up. Instead, you eat at the fancy restaurant. Oh. Because it includes oh. the elevation or whatever. So by the time you've paid for your dinner, you paid very little for a very good meal, and you get to skip all the lines and both up and down. Oh, it's wow. really swanky. Wow. Well, hey, I'll know that next time I'm in Toronto. Next time. I'm very good at giving travel tips far too late. That's eh, all right. Good. <laughs> All right, so anyway, I played her yes, story. Her story. <laughs> um, I've also this week uh, started playing once again Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh, wow! You really like that game. I I do and I don't. <laughs> I'm kind of giving it a second chance. Okay. I loved San Andreas. I loved Grand Theft Auto Four and its uh, expansions or whatever you call them. All right, I I have a very important question for you. Please. How do you feel about Vice City? I don't really like it. Oh my god! It's Get, everybody's I, goodbye, favorite. Goodbye. It's everybody's is, favorite. Done. I found it too cartoony. <laughs> uh, too video gamey, which are like the most ridiculous things to say about a cartoony video game, I guess. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. I love the setting. I love the music. I love the art. The protagonist is like mouthy and isn't just a sponge who like obeys mm-hmm. whatever people tell him. I, although he does, but he like well, yeah, insults him for to. it. Yeah. I don't know, but there's all these rampage things all over the place. Well, and... there's rampage. Are you? What about the rampages in GTA Five? Those are ridiculous. Those are ridiculous. I know. <laughs> they actually qualify those, I suppose. Well, in the stupidest way possible. Well, yeah. You, this mentally unstable protagonist. <laughs> that's like the the most base of justifications for this antisocial behavior, I guess. Not that Grand Theft Auto is much more than that anyway. Yeah, but it completely... If they're trying to go for that gritty realism, it completely breaks it with Trevor's rampages. It does. And I'm not really a fan of Trevor as a protagonist. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I, to be fair, the, I really didn't yeah. like any of the protagonists in GTA V. I thought they were all horrible, horrible people. I liked Michael. I, he's, yeah, he's the most human, I guess. I guess, but at the same time, he's just... No, I didn't like him. <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't know which protagonist. Well, now you're putting me on the spot here because I guess Tommy is probably the best of the protagonists. Well, isn't he? yeah, that's the correct answer, and I'm glad you finally seen the light. Okay, but <laughs> he he's in the wrong game. I'd uh, like him if he were in one of the other games. 
all right. Well, I have I have a soft spot for Vice City, not just because of the music and everything, but because of the setting is near and dear to my heart. Because obviously, right, you lived, lived there, right? In, uh, yeah, I lived in Miami for thirty-one years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I like San Andreas too, but I felt it was a little too big. And GTA Four was cool, and like now in being in New York, it's like cool to play it, but. I felt kind of the same way you did about GTA Five. Like I really like walking around the environment and soaking it in. Yeah. But the story is just pretty shitty, to be honest. It's, yeah, the story left me totally cold. It doesn't bring anything new to the table. They've been Nothing. doing pretty much the same thing for ages. And there's going to be more that you can do. I I I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the. I, I don't know what they need to do. I don't. I mean, there are a lot of games in the series already. Maybe they've done it. Yeah. Maybe they've done it all, but I feel like there's got to be more variations or more. I don't know. I just don't know. Mm. I thought that the. Did you play the episodes from Liberty City? Yes, I did. I liked those a lot because they were concise and that you did a bunch of zany stuff and there was a good variety of stuff that you did, I thought. Yeah, I liked The Ballad of Gay Tony better than The Lost and the Dam because I felt like The Lost and the Dam was too serious and too mopey for its own good. Like, if you thought GTA 4 was serious and mopey, The Lost and the Dam is even more so. And The Ballad of Gay Tony is just fun. Like you get to, it was really fun. Yeah, you just get to do a bunch of fun stuff, and I love the story too. And yeah, I love the relationship between uh, Tony and I don't remember the name of the protagonist. Yeah, Luis. Now. Yeah, I like that too. I really enjoyed it, and it was just yeah. I mean, it was cool to see the same story from three different perspectives. But yeah, no, I absolutely thought mm-hmm. the Ballad of Gay Tony was the best one out of all three of them. I think I'll agree with you, and it was. A lot. Well, it's it's a real testament to Rockstar's world building that they could tell these three different stories and have such three different kind of feelings yeah. to them. And even like uh, even like art styles, like the Bella de Gaetoni takes place in like nightclub districts and stuff like yeah, that predominantly. Yeah. So there's like flashy, expensive cars and lots of neon lights and stuff. Whereas, as you say, Lost in the Damned is like about gritty, decrepit crap holes. Yeah, it's very like monochrome and very yeah. It is so. That's dirty. That's a, it's pretty cool how they can kind of bring those different tones. Yeah, to the storytelling. Mm. So I, I I'm getting kind of wistful for Gay Tony again now. <laughs> what I liked, I think it was the story though that I liked most of all about Ballad of Gay Tony, and it was kind of like this. It kind of is a microscope on the theme of devotion. I would say yeah, that I was sort of is. the theme because yeah. there's like throwaway people and there's people that are dedicated to each other and yeah. I thought that uh, whatever spoilers be damned I thought <laughs> that that Louise and Tony were going to have a kiss and that would be the big oh really I thought that was going to be the big uh, reveal at the end and it never happened no and I, I never, thought that was brilliant I never really got that impression I never felt like they were building up to that. I kind of didn't know just because Louise proves to be so devoted to his boss. Yeah. And I figured the job couldn't be why because he's taking all these stupid risks for a stupid person. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I actually that was that was actually better done I thought that GTA 4 cuz I mean GTA 4 they kind of focused on the fact that Nico is like he has a conscience and he feels bad about all the stuff he did and he's just like I hate working for these people but he still goes out and like mows everyone down. Whereas yeah. Luis is, you know, he he's violent if he has to be. And he mows everyone down and stuff. But yeah, he's like, he's basically a good guy because he he is devoted to his boss. And like he's, and it's not just because he's devoted to his boss, it's because he actually considers him to be his friend. And like yeah. he's loyal. Like he's very much a loyal guy. And like, 
has that good quality despite being a mass murderer if you so choose to make him one. Sure. And I found, for some reason, I found that more believable than Nico and uh, Roman. Yeah. Because Roman is such an idiot yeah. and doesn't really deserve... I mean, it was just because they were family, I guess, that Nico is yeah. devoted to him in that way, but he doesn't... I don't know. And even, like, Luis's two dumb friends who are just, like, trying to be drug pushers, but mm-hmm. they suck at it. Like, even though they're obviously the comic relief, you still feel more of a bond between them than you did with Nico and Roman. Yeah. Maybe because they've grown up with each other, yeah, I guess, the, yeah. him and the friends. Yeah. So, okay. so I, I tried actually going back to GTA 4, but the car physics are so floaty. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of something that I apologized for. For I guess when people would criticize it, I'm like it's it is what it is, and you play with it, and you're either good enough to get around it or you're not. Yeah. But the engine and the cars driving around and all is so well done in GTA Five. Yeah. And I guess I've this is kind of a recurring theme where once you play the next GTA game, it's really hard to go back to the last one. Oh, absolutely. The improvements. I remember going back to Vice City after playing GTA Four, and I was like, my God, this looks like crap. Yeah, but yeah. well, did you play it on PC or on console? Uh, I first played it on console, and then I played it on PC. But yeah, I went back to play it on PC, and I was like, man, even with like the higher t- res textures and stuff, this still looks like crap. Like, there's no realistic car damage or anything, and the physics are all out the window. And yeah, right. <laughs> it is an old game. They do take yeah. their time between yeah. the major releases. Yeah. Yeah, so GTA V, uh, I'm still having fun with it. I've had some stability issues with it. Um, initially, because I played it when it had just come out, and like any game, and especially as complicated a game as this, there's going to be bugs, and it's, there's going to be crashes and stuff. Are you playing it um, on PC? Well, now, not only am I playing it on PC, but I'm playing it on the Windows 10 pre-release version. Oh, wow. Where the operating system isn't finalized, and the drivers for my hardware aren't finalized, so oh. I don't think that's really making it any more stable. Oh, dear. So I get occasional crashes, maybe like once an hour or so. Uh, so do you have like the the optimized remastered or whatever you want to call it version that they put out for PS4 with like more animals and extra missions and things like that? Oh yeah, I think so. Oh, I that's think, cool. I think anything that's ever been released for any platform, I believe it's all on the PC version. Okay. Because it came out a good couple of years or so almost after yeah. the first version. Yeah, the first so. version came out in 2013 and I think the... PC yeah, PC one is just a few year? months old. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's so, so, so beautiful. Yeah, it looks really nice, which kind of irks me, because I kind of feel like the last few big AAA titles that have come out towards the end of the lifespan of the PS3 were kind of just like testing grounds, and they've all been re-released for PS4, so it's kind of like, ha, if you want the real experience, buy a PS4. Oh, and right, I, which you haven't? Not yet, no, I'm... I'm I have to confess, I've been thinking about it more and more lately, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those inevitabilities that I was trying to avoid, but is never, is, yeah, I'm going to end up having to buy one soon. I really want to play Batman, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I've heard you that if you're going to play that, don't play it on PC. Yeah, well, my PC is so old that I would have to upgrade it to run anything decent. I don't think I can play more anything more advanced than like the first Assassin's Creed on my PC. Mm, so that's getting on in yeah. many years already. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we had our recent upgrades. Yeah. Although, my poor wife, her she just bought Max Payne 3, and that's oh. been overheating her new her oh. new CPU, so we have to get her a water cooler, too, it looks like. Oh, no. 
So we got we we got one for me because I think it was actually that game, as a matter of fact, that was overheating my new CPU as well. And it took us a good two or three hours to install the water cooler. It was really hard. Oh wow! And not very enjoyable. So at least we know how to do it now. But it's a it's a schlep, mm. as they say. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess that's that's Grand Theft Auto Five. I'm not really getting anything new out of it, and it's unfortunate that. I pre- I pre-ordered Grand Theft Auto V just because I got it from Green Man Gaming, and they have these ridiculous sales sometimes where they'll undercut everybody just to get your business. So I think I got it for twenty five percent off before it was even out. Wow, it was like forty five bucks or so, which is a great price. I got it on eBay for about the same actually. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but a little while after it had come out. Hmm. So, because I pre-ordered it, I got all these pre-order bonuses, which give you a bunch of free money in the game. Oh, nice. And I don't really want that. I mean, <laughs> as much as I enjoy going for a walk and not doing anything in particular in that game, I don't really want to start off super-powered or with the ability to skip things in the game. Mm. But, I mean, now that I've played it, like, your your first protagonist gets, like, half a million dollars or something, and it's not really that long. Like, once you've done the first heist, you have almost that much money anyway. Yeah. So you can just upgrade your car a little bit. Oh, and that's something I don't understand as well. I mean, the name of the freaking game is Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. In, in this game, it's about car ownership. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Well, what's up with that? I never... I, I, it was something they introduced in San Andreas, the whole car customization thing. I never really saw the appeal in that, because in a Grand Theft Auto game, your cars don't really last that long. And, like... Right. Even if you get if even if you store them in a garage and stuff, it's kind of like yeah, that's the thing. Like I can just get any old car off the street, and the car types don't really make much of a difference. It's not like missions depend on whether or not you have a fast car or not. You know, you can you can mm. do stuff. The car quality doesn't really make a difference. So that that whole aspect of the game never really made much sense to me. Yeah, that's right. Well, I just think that it really undermines like the core concept of the whole. Th- the yeah. whole series by allowing yeah. you to own a car that persists. Yeah. Yeah, like each that of the protagonists... Said, I still do it. Yeah, I still yeah. did the upgrading and stuff. In in Grand Theft Auto V, I do the upgrading, just because you'll inevitably get your car back again. Like, even if you blow it up or something, you can, like, quit the game and come back, and it'll be good as new. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, each of the protagonists has their own car, so it's kind of like, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that didn't make sense to me. I thought that nope. was a misstep. Eh, whatever. But... It'll learn. Yeah, but in those games, you amass a whole bunch of money, and then you have nothing to spend it on. So I guess you have to yeah, spend it on something. That's true, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, the last game that I'll talk about, which I just picked up again today, and that was thanks to the glowing words by Trolls, was uh, Gun Home, which I played oh, yeah. previously, and I loved it. And I'm playing it again <laughs> now, I guess a year later or so, and I'm loving it all over again. It's so good. Did yeah, you play that a... one? Yes, I did. I really enjoyed that one, yeah. It was... Um... It, yeah, it was just really, really... What can I say that hasn't already been said, really? Yeah. Nothing. I don't know if I can say... I don't think I can say more about it either, but I'm playing <laughs> it more slowly this time. I'm not quite so eager to uh, finish it, because I know that there's a couple of things that I left unexplored. Mm. But just the writing of some of the things makes me laugh so hard, or just to see... Like, I, I was looking around in uh, one of the bedrooms, and it's of this, like, angsty teenage girl, mm-hmm. and... I looked around like her bed, and I found a fork under her bed. Hmm. And that's so funny. That was something that, that when I was dating my wife, I called her out for having a fork under her bed. Really? So that's just such a... I know, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it is but pretty it, gross. Why would you have a fork under your bed? I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I can guess, but why is it still there? So, 
that just that one little that one little flourish of level design like rang true for me. So yeah. I, I appreciate so much what a great job they do of of making this house feel populated. Yeah. Have you done the uh the thing with Christmas duck? Or you the put thing him... with Christmas duck? Yeah, you if you carry Christmas duck with you all the way through the game and you put him in a little nest in the attic towards the end, you get a you get a steam achievement. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that's yeah. very that's a very valve kind of a thing. Does yeah. it actually do anything else with the story or is it No, just an no, it's just an achievement. Do I really have to carry it with me for the whole game or can I just do it at the end? I th- I don't remember. Actually. I'll try it. I think you might have to carry it with you for the whole game, but I'm not sure. Oh, fooey. I can't be bothered to do shit like that. <laughs> or maybe it's just maybe it's just if you put him in cuz yeah, there's a little nest for him in the attic and you put him in and she says something like, well, she doesn't say it, but like the text on the screen's like, "There you go, Christmas duck." And yeah, you get an achievement for it. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I really can't be bothered to do stuff like that. A game will have to be really, really, like I don't know. It'll have to incentivize me pretty well to do something like that. Like, I've always you... well, that's the thing about mm-hmm. achievements. Like I've always liked achievements that are off the beaten path because like it's a really boring if you're playing a game and it's like a story game and it's like oh you finished chapter one bling oh you sure. finished chapter two but I like to go out of my way to get achievements. Oh, Sometimes. Me, it, it'll have to be something internal to the game to in, yeah. incentivize me to do it. Like, uh, did you, why can't I think of the name of this stupid game now that we're talking about it? <laughs> First person story game where the narrator is like, talking to you and it's this really funny, dry humor British guy. Oh, the Stanley Parable. Thank you very much. That's exactly what it is. I haven't played that one, actually. Oh, man, do you have to play that game. <laughs> you, you really, really have to play that game. Yeah, that, that's one of the ones that's on my list. All right, I'm not going to say another word about it because okay. anything you say about it is a spoiler, but okay. that game is so funny and just redefines so many assumptions that you can have about a game and especially about the relationship between a player and a protagonist. Mm. So that's all I'm going to say about it, but you really, really got to play that game. Okay. All right, so I'll end my played this week list with this commandment. Okay. okay. Such a cordial thing for a host to do. Yes. All right. Well, then, why don't we go ahead and talk about our main topic? All right. All right, our main topic this week is uh, excellent game soundtracks, games with with music that we love. Mm. I know that uh, you and Ben have your occasional episodes where you uh, play music from games that you enjoy. Oh, yeah, sure, top scores. We haven't done one in a really long time, but, yeah, we had three of those. Right. And I will admit to skipping most of those. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll listen to your setup to it, but I don't always. Sometimes I sometimes I like your selections, and sometimes I don't. That's I like fair. what you have to say about it, though. It's all a matter of opinion. Sure. Especially but, music. Are you kidding? That's one of the most divisive things in opinion. Dumb. Yes. Yes. And not dumb opinion. Opinion dumb. Right. Well, both. <laughs> yes. Sure. The the realm of opinion. You know what they say about opinions. <laughs> They're like, whatever's? Yes, because everyone's got one and they all stink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, how would you like to go first then and to give us a, a, a game with a, an exceptional soundtrack? Oh, uh, well, I have a, a list here of games with that I thought of offhand that have soundtracks that are, are exceptional for one reason or another. Um, okay, me too. Okay, good. So the first game on my list, which came to me almost immediately, was Grim Fandango. Oh, right on. That's a good choice. Yeah, Grim Fandango is, I mean, it's it's 
such a varied soundtrack in the sense that it's got like jazz and it's got i mean it's they focused on the jazz aspect of it because i mean in chapter or year two you're in rubicava and there's like the whole jazz thing and whatever but overall the score is very orchestral and i mean there's there's a lot of great jazz but there's also like influences from you know mexican music and uh just like a whole bunch of weird stuff and it's such a great soundtrack. Like when I bought Grim Fandango, it came with the soundtrack CD. And, oh, lucky you! Yeah, and I I remember putting it in, and I'm sure I've told this story plenty of times. But it's just I remember really thinking it was something special because I put in the CD, and there's this one track called Blue Casket Bop, which plays in the Blue Casket, which is a jazz club, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking man, this is music in a computer game? Because, like, it was just, like, it sounded like music you would hear in a jazz club, which is appropriate because it's for a jazz club. But it's just, like, it has this crazy saxophone solo that's just, like, you know, if you, you're you're used to listening to, like, you know, methodical computer music that's just kind of, you know, has its melody, it has its you know, whatever, and you don't really get a lot, lot of that type of thing in that so like to hear just like this crazy sax solo i'm like wow i actually called my dad up i was like dad listen to this it's in a video game um <laughs> yeah, that's nice but yeah it was it's just it's it just is great and especially now with the the remastered version that came out earlier this year where they redid most of the cutscene music and and the uh, music that was that used digital patches with the actual melbourne symphony orchestra just adds this mm-hmm. whole new layer of things um, I actually had I was lucky enough to be able to talk to Peter McConnell, the composer at GDC this year. Wow! And I got to thank him for Grim Fandango, which is really great. And he was really cool. And like he was like, yeah, you know, if you if you go into like the Smithsonian archive and you look up the history of jazz, that's pretty much where I stole everything for Grim Fandango. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's cool. I still I still think it's a great soundtrack and and it's really awesome. And he was very gracious and said thank you for complimenting him and i was like well thank you for getting all this all these tunes stuck in my head oh yeah they they are catchy tunes yeah. and uh i f- having played that again not too long ago i really appreciated that it's like while you're walking around rubicava especially every screen kind of has its own little iteration of a soundtrack yeah and it's kind of thematically appropriate for whatever is going on there or whatever kind of the mood of the place you're walking through might be like whether you're in a casino or if you're even if you're just like there are a lot of like transitional areas where you're. It might take you like twelve screens to walk from one place to another, yeah. and every single one of those twelve screens might have a little variation on it. Um, I think my favorite piece of music, oddly enough, in that whole game, is just on one screen where you're walking across this big bridge, and there's like four or five screens of you walking. Uh, over this bridge, but there's one where there's this humongous zeppelin. Oh, the secret of weapons of the Luftwaffe queue. Oh, is that actually yes. uh, a reference to another one of their games? You're talking about the da 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 da. Yeah. Yes, that's the theme from Secret Weapons of the Luftwaffe. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's great. Because they do a little, they do a little credit for it in the end credits, and I always wondered oh. what that was because it's like they have, uh, they reference. Um, there's no place like or that song. I forget what the name of the song, but it's like you know, it's a traditional song that plays when Carla is in the back and she's telling the tragic story. And ah. be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. That that thing. Okay. So they they credit that in the end credits, and they also credit Secret Weapons of the Luftwaffe. And I'm just I was like, well, I wonder what that is. So I looked it up on YouTube, and yeah, the the theme for it is that little melody, that cue that comes up. 
And yeah, I love that one too. You know, this is a perfect nerdy story, but you know how, you know, this music from, from adventure games and computer games has always stuck with me and like I'll randomly get stuff in my head and like I find myself in certain life situations, like something will happen and it'll instantly trigger a cue in my head. So, like, if I am ever someplace where I'm, like, standing in front of, like, a really big building or something, like, really imposing, that very cue from Grim Fandango will play in my head. And I'm just like, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Now it will for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too cool. Another one that, that happens with all the time is, it's this one isn't on my list, but um, Space Quest Four, the Galaxy Galleria Mall. Oh, that yeah, I love little, that song. That little... Anytime mm-hmm. I'm going up or down an escalator, that song instantly goes <laughs> in my head. Or anytime, oh, like, yeah, if I'm like at the airport on one of those just like flat moving walkways, uh-huh. it instantly, <laughs> instantly, without fail, pops into my head. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'm sure you want to like walk the wrong way on the <laughs> sidewalk too. Then. No, because usually when I'm at the airport, I just want to get where I need to go, and I don't like it when people don't walk on those things. That's true. There's not. <laughs> There's not a lot of room for, like, joyousness at the airport. Yeah, not really. Not unless you have a really long layover and you just kind of, whatever. But anyway, yeah, Grim Fandango, great soundtrack. Oh, nice one. Yeah. That it is. I don't know, do you want to keep going on your list? Uh, You can get to mine if there's time. Yeah, sure, I mean, we can, yeah, sure. Um, The next one is another Peter McConnell game. Uh, It's Psychonauts. I love that soundtrack. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, that soundtrack has so many great bits but the one that always sticks out in my head is the summer camp theme theme song because it just oh is that with the guitar yes it's beautiful i love it it's it's like anytime i think of like a sunny day or something i just think yeah there it's so serene and like it really it's that's one of the soundtracks that it loses a lot when i listen to it and i'm not playing the game I really have to play the game in order to enjoy that soundtrack somehow. I have I have four tracks from the game that I ripped from it that I have on my as my little unofficial Psychonauts soundtrack that I listen to now and then, and I find that they work just as well outside the game. Um, I the four tracks I have on there are Sasha's Mind, which is the one that plays when like the stuff goes out of control and you're dealing with all the sensors, and it's just kind of like mm-hmm. it's very uh, frantic. Thing and two things about it I, I like. One is that it quotes. Um, oh, I forget the piece. It's a classical piece, but it's da 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 da. da. Oh right, yeah. Uh, Mozart. Or yeah, 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 yeah. But it quotes that. It quotes that that melody, which I think is kind of odd but funny. That it's in. I there. guess because he's such like a well-read uh, yeah, kind of guy. I guess. Find... I guess. Yeah, sure. The other thing is that one of the percussion instruments sounds like they're hitting a metal bar and it's a very very like it's one of those sounds that like it's almost pavlovian and that you you're like i know what that is but i can't quite place it it's kind of like um remember in i don't know if in in like elementary school they usually have those plastic chairs that are kind of like the plastic chairs that have the desk built into them with the metal yeah 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 and if you hit those metal legs you get that sound (laughs) <laughs> so that was that was always something that stuck out to me on that track. That's funny. But yeah, then there's also the the whispering uh, rock summer camp. I keep wanting to say whispering pines, but that's that's something else. Uh, whispering rock summer camp with the guitar that I love and um, mm-hmm. the the nighttime music which I love too, um, and uh, the meat circus which is another interesting one. 
But I mm-hmm. love. There's so many other tracks in that that I love. There's the the Waterloo World, which goes which you go crazy because it loops the War of 1812 overture over and over again, <laughs> get it stuck in your head. And I love the music in Vel, uh, Black Velvetopia. Yes, that's a great one. Um, oh, that's oh, it's kind of Mexican. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's that actually really nice. Yeah, it's more like flamenco almost. It is flamenco, I guess. Um, it has the castanets and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just really that's really cool. And then there's like depending on where you go and like if the the bull gets you, it brings in. Um, oh, the horns. Yeah, not just not just the horns, but it also brings in like this really like um, distortion guitar. Ah, and, yeah. It's I love the way that. And LucasArts pioneered this with iMuse, but Psychonauts does it pretty well, too. They have just... The music will change based on where you are or what's happening. Like, the melody and the arrangement will stay the same, but it'll bring in an instrument or take something out. And just, yeah, little variations like that, I think, are really cool. Yeah, it's, like, contextually dynamic. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Me, too. Um, They use it to such good effect. Yeah, they really do. But um, I'm trying to think the other... Oh yeah, I like I love the bit of I forget what the level name is called, but it's in the asylum too when you go into that crazy actress's mind and mm-hmm. there's the two versions of the play and like the bright and sunny one has this bright and sunny theme and then it changes to like this really sad uh sort of macabre theme when it goes into the depression side. <laughs> That is super funny. I think they kind of use uh, like muted trumpets and stuff. Yeah, and kind yeah, of yeah, like, like wah, wah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it when you yeah when you build this sort of landscape with or soundscape. I guess is more appropriate just by mm-hmm. using certain instruments and stuff. And Peter McConnell really does that well. I think he sure does. I'd love to know what his influences are. Whether he's given like. Uh, uh, concept art or something yeah. to influence him. I don't know. I'd, I'd, yeah. Hope, I'm Cause they, hoping that he'll be around next year and I'll be able to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit. If Oh, I hope so. Just because... Somewhere at as I want to do with game developers that I idolize. Oh, it's great that you have the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's just so striking to me, though, the fact that those games feel so much more impactful with the music and how the music to me kind of loses so much when it's removed from the game. That's a real testament to the artistry yeah. of the composer that he can keep it fitting so very well and that it's so integral to the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So hell of a good composer, this guy. Oh, yeah. And I do love that soundtrack. I'm so glad you mentioned it. I forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so next on my list is another adventure game from LucasArts, which is somewhat, I think it's one of their least liked games but i like it it's the dig Uh, oh that does have a nice soundtrack yeah and it's it's very mellow and it's very orchestral and it's very influenced by wagner and Mm -hmm. so much so that i remember when i was a kid i bought the i bought the cd that they said it influenced influenced it because i was like i want to hear what it sounds like because that's what i sounded like when i was a kid um, oh, and did it add that much more to it? Actually, no, it didn't. Disappointingly oh. enough, because there was like maybe two pieces that you could kind of hear where they sort of got influenced from it. But you know, me being being a nerdy teenager, I was like, I want this to be the exact soundtrack, and I was sad when it wasn't. Although they did have an exact sure. soundtrack, which I now own. And uh, here's another nerd story, which is I I think I've told this before, but um, I'm very happy that the FAA relaxed the rules. The not 
having of turning off your electronic devices and or not having to turn off your electronic devices when the plane takes off. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, so now you can listen to music when the plane takes off. Uh-huh. And anytime I go on a plane and we're taking off, I always listen to Mission from the Asteroid from the Dig because it's mm-hmm. it's got that very appro- I mean it it plays when the shuttle takes off, so it's this very like intense takeoff music and then it gets all, you know, flighty and airy as the as the shuttle goes off so to listen to that like while the plane's engines are revving and it's like <laughs> da, 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 da. it's like yeah we're going somewhere and then the plane goes off and you're like yay, yay. <laughs> i always i've been listening to that like a nerd like for at least the past year or so every time i fly somewhere oh that's terrific yeah and i've tried to get other people to do it but they just don't don't <laughs> they don't share my whimsy. Actually, that's not true. I got my girlfriend just to listen to it uh, while we when we flew to GDC, but she didn't have it on her on her phone, so we had to share earbuds. So I don't think oh, it was just like in high school. Yeah, it wasn't the complete experience. Only hearing it on one side, but whatever. And I tried to get Ben to download it when we flew from uh, where were we going? Oh, from Melbourne back to Perth uh, when I was there earlier this year. And we, the Wi-Fi at the at the Melbourne airport wasn't good enough for him to download because it was it's like a you know it's a nine minute song so it's pretty long. Oh, it's a pretty big file, so yeah, he wasn't able. To, but anyway, he was like, I like listening to the airplane engine noises, and I was like, Ah, you suck! So I listened to it <laughs> happily while he was listening to airplane engine noises. That does seem like a Ben thing to say. Yeah, he's into planes, so sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I was oh, I was sitting cool. there rocking out. Well, not rocking out, but I was sitting there all excited, and he was just like, "I like planes." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's great. Wait. That's that's a soundtrack that I th- I think I could get more out of if I had listened to it outside of the game. I think just for technical reasons, because they squeezed that whole game onto one CD, right? Yeah, they did, and. I guess because it's such an old game, relatively, that the sound quality is diminished. Yeah. And it's such an orchestral kind of a game that, or the, the, of a soundtrack that you lose a lot by not getting the high end of, like, the strings and all that. It is, like, well, I know, movie orchestral. Yeah, I know that they didn't use an actual orchestra. It's all digital. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. But the thing, I think the Dig soundtrack actually benefits more from listening to it outside of the game and listening to it, listening to the official soundtrack version because it's actually a richer experience. It actually sounds more like an orchestra than the in-game version does. Hmm. Um, and of course, the in-game, the introduction takes longer, so they have to kind of adjust for that. But um, right. so at, to hear it just as like one orchestral piece that kind of, you know, it flows into into each piece as it goes um it's i feel it it, it's stronger as a piece because of that um Mm. but yeah no definitely if you listen to the version in game of just like mission to the asteroid if you listen to the version in game versus the official soundtrack version the official soundtrack version is way more exciting um I definitely want to hear this. Yeah. Especially because I'm sure I could stomach the soundtrack for its duration, unlike the actual game of the dig, which I can't <laughs> really take too much of in a big chunk. You can download it, actually. It's available. Um, I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. Please. Uh, you can download the MP3s from somewhere. Let me uh, let me find it. Uh, here we go. Um uh, the Dig soundtrack MP3. 
Oh yeah, well, there here we go. go. There you go. Downloads.khinsider and see if it actually works. It does. Con- congratulations. I don't know why I said congratulations, <laughs> but there's the link. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, no problem. So hopefully the le- your legions of fans will take my advice, and next time that they fly somewhere, they uh, they listen to Mission to the Asteroid as well, because I can tell you it enhances the takeoff portion of a flight about tenfold. That's, I'm sure it does. Yeah. You hear that, Legions? Obey him. Yes. My recommendation is to wait until the captain says, flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. <laughs> oh, you've got this uh, practice. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it works out really well, and that that works even better. Sometimes it doesn't, but and you have to like kind of pause and wait until the plane starts going. But sometimes it, you get that really satisfying feeling of you hit play and you don't have to stop it, and at times it sequences perfectly. <laughs> I like how you've worked this all out into this, like, Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon oh, synchronization thing, but in real life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't... That's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing I've that. Never tried that. I've never tried that, by oh, the way. Oh, you haven't? Oh, it's... No, does it, does it work no, out? No, it's amazing. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. The best part is undeniably the, the bit of Great Gig in, uh, when Great Gig in the Sky comes on, because that's mm-hmm. during the scene with the tornado, and that is by far the best... Bit. I mean, obviously, you kind of have to like use your imagination and squint and turn your head a little bit to, you know. I mean, it's not perfect, but if you're if you're willing to be open-minded and possibly consuming open-minded, open mind-opening substances, which I'm sure <laughs> is how most people discovered it anyway. Probably. Um, yeah, it it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Anyway, yes, that that's the dig. Um, the next one is not an adventure game. It's a, it's actually a AAA game. It's uh, Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, oh, 2? Yes, Assassin's Creed 2. I'm singling out 2 because... That's the Italian Yes, one? that is the first of the Ezio games. Um, that was... The composer on that was Jesper Kidd, who I had known before from the Hitman games, and I really liked his work on the Hitman games. Especially mm-hmm. Hitman Blood Money. Um, and, yeah, like, he's... He's really good, and his his score for Assassin's Creed 1 wasn't really anything too special because, I mean, obviously it took place during the Crusades, so there wasn't really much aside from just, like, this sort of epic, like, choir music and stuff like that, which was nice, but it didn't really say much. But for Assassin's Creed 2, yeah, just, like, the music that plays in Florence, and he developed this, this leitmotif of uh, the melody that, like, plays in Florence that you hear all over the place... And it just was really, really amazing because he does this whole like sort of electronic opera type thing and just like, you know, orchestra and stuff. And it just is this really, really moving score that just I love listening to it. I actually made a playlist to fall asleep to of like my favorite pieces from the Assassin's Creed 2 soundtrack. And um, yeah, just after that, like I know he I think he did the music for the spin-off not the spin-off games but the the other Ezio games I, I think he did Brotherhood and I think he did part of Revelations but then he kind of like passed on the torch to someone else for the other Assassin's Creed games okay and yeah like I just I know uh my friend and uh, I've worked with in the past for, as a composer Pete Gresser who did the music for a Golden Wake and some of the Ben Jordan games he he's a big fan of him too and he's like yeah, he really blew his load with Assassin's Creed 2, and then after that it was just kind of 
he was just kind of phoning it in. I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that's really, I think Assassin's Creed 2 is really his sort of magnum opus as far as the the Assassin's Creed games. And I know, say what you will about the games themselves, but the soundtrack, I think, is probably one of the better game soundtracks out there. Hmm. Um, that was a game I couldn't get too far into, and so I don't think, I think I was too frustrated to... Uh... Yeah, well, you'll have get too much into you'll it. have heard my favorite track if you at least got to like the beginning in Florence because it plays when you're going around Florence. Okay, um, it's this great. It's well, appropriately enough. It's called Home in Florence, and actually, I I it's in one of the top scores games. But it's this great like it's got at least three movements in it. Like the intro is this very sort of like really cool little sort of airy, uh, I don't even know what instrument it is. I guess it's kind of a guitar-sounding thing. But then it kind of breaks into this really amazing just... It kind of sounds like, if you remember... Do you ever see Vertigo? Mm, Don't think so. Oh, man, you need to see Vertigo. But Bernard Herrmann, who is the composer on Vertigo, he he used strings quite a lot on the Hitchcock movies, obviously most famously in Psycho, which was all, all strings. Yeah. Um, but in Vertigo, he had these very sweeping, like, string build-ups to indicate the romance thing. And I'm I'm doing a violin <laughs> bow uh, motion here, even though you can't see it. Um, yeah. But it's very much like, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a bit in that where that happens, like, and it's this really cool, like, yeah, it just sounds like... I don't know how to describe it. It just sounds like the Renaissance, like Florence in the Renaissance, the way it, the way it happens. And then, of course, it goes into the, the leitmotif I mentioned before with, like, a woman vocal in the background. And it just, it's this really beautiful piece that just flows in from one movement to the next. And it's just really, really nice. And I love it. And I love that concept of motifs where they kind of keep calling yeah. back to the same little Oh, theme. I'm a sucker for those. Are you kidding me? Me too. Whenever I, yeah, whenever I like work with composers, I'm like, come up with a theme for this and this and this, please, and then reference it as much as you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. That's another one. Is that a game that's worth spending some time on? Because my frustration, I think, must have been the... Uh, quick time events and stuff. I think I just found some cutscenes or something where I was supposed to press a bunch of buttons or something like that and it, I kept failing it and then I just kind of said F it. In two? Really? I think so. I don't know. Because I loved the first one and then I played the second one and I found it was there were way too many of the quick time events <laughs> and it ticked me off. I don't remember that many quick time events. I would say, I mean, as far as the Assassin's Creed series goes, like the first one... First one's okay, but the first one gets very repetitive because, as you know, like when you get to the cities, it's basically do one of three things or do all three things, like eaves, right. eavesdrop, pickpocket, and I forget what the other. Oh, like find. It's like racing. Yeah, know. yeah. It's like the the mission structure is very samey everywhere you go. And Assassin's yeah. Creed Two, they tried to move away from that and add more mission variety and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I would say two is probably one of the better ones even though the final boss is literally the pope with a magic lightning rod (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that's a little crazy but yeah i mean if you like i like the thing i love most about assassin's creed 2 is the fact that it takes place in renaissance italy and being a huge history nerd i really love the fact that you can walk around like i i've said it to italians so like when they're walking around they're speaking in italian and i'm just like yay i'm in the renaissance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, 
Having said that, I've never, I've only ever been to a Renaissance festival once. Um, oh. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just that that's yeah. Because uh, three was okay, but yeah. the other ones were okay, but yeah. and four was fun, but yeah. It looked <laughs> like the series has kind of said all it needs to say at this. Pretty point. much. Pretty much. I, I have no interest whatsoever in these next gen ones, but that's mm-hmm. that's whatever. Um. But yeah, no, as far as like memorable music too, like none of the other Assassin's Creed games really have very memorable music. And the tracks that I love the most from Brotherhood and from Revelations are actually just more of that motif that they established in Assassin's Creed 2 that they reuse in, oh. in those games. Just different variants of them. So that tells you something. Yeah. So they're kind of out of ideas. They're just kind yeah, of rehashing. Yeah, exactly. That's why it just feels like he was phoning it in for the later ones. Oh, so it's the same guy, even. It was the same one for... Just for yeah, time. it was the same one for Brotherhood, and I know he contributed some pieces to Revelations, which obviously are the ones that is that, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was taking a look at uh, some of his credits. He's done the Borderlands games, and he did Gears of War, so he is a very well-established... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely done a lot of stuff. I love the Borderlands music, too. I've never played Borderlands, so I've never heard it, but I don't doubt that if it's him, it's going to be good, because he's a good composer. Oh, well, what he capitalizes on well in the Borderlands series is just the fact that it's such a weird combination of themes. It's like cyberpunk hillbilly, futuristic hillbilly sort of a thing. Is there banjo music? Uh, There's guitar. I don't know if there's banjo, (laughs) unfortunately, but... Uh, it is a very kind of a twangy... It's like twangy techno, okay. if I could summarize it in two words, I suppose. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so I, I wonder whether he does anything similar for the Assassin's Creed ones, where it's like half uh, historical fiction, and the other half is kind of like near future. Yeah, well, he he, he does that as far as the experimentation with the electronic opera stuff, because you have... You have, like, a vocalist, but then you'll have, like, the distortion of electronica in that for some hmm. things, which is which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, yes, moving on to the next game. This one is... This next one isn't so much for the game music itself, although... Because I, I don't really remember much of the game music. Um, this one is more for the theme song, which gets used a lot in some of the game music, and it is the original Deus Ex. Ah. Yeah. So, for those of you who have played the game, I'm sure the theme song is now in your head, um, because it's a great theme song. And I heard this really, really, really great rendition of it. There's this guy on YouTube called uh, Blake Robinson, um, okay. and he has, I think it's called the Blake Robinson Th- Synthetic Orchestra. I'll get you the link for that, too, so you can put it in the show notes. He, he does a lot of covers of video game music, and he did this really great orchestrated version of the Deus Ex theme um, and it's got this really nice like piano bit at the end which is really cool so the Deus Ex theme is this I'm trying to picture it is this like the title screen where you have like the rotating logo that's the one okay yeah I can totally picture that I think that is actually uh, composed in mod music yes it is that's like rendered real time it is yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty neat that was uh was that in the Unreal Engine, that game? Ah, that's an excellent question. I don't know. I think it might have... I don't know. Maybe not. They might have done their own thing. I'm not let sure. Me, that was, let me look uh, it up real quick. Uh, 
First of all, who was the who were the composers? Oh, there was a lot of composers. Alexander Brandon, Dan Gardopay, uh, Michel Vandenboss, and Reeves Gabrels. Yeah, it was I, actually Unreal Engine One. I thought so. It sounds a lot like the Unreal Engine in terms of the way the music plays, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was called UF. I think they were UMX files for Unreal Music Extension or something like that. But uh, Alexander Brandon, I ha- I think I bought a bundle with his music. Mm-hmm. And he might have also done stuff for Epic Mega Games. I can't okay. quite remember. I listened to the whole thing when I bought it, and I don't think I've heard it again since. But he has two or three albums that are called, like, Alexander Brandon, The Mod Collection. Oh, okay. I think they're all on Spotify, as a matter of fact, if you uh, look for his name. But uh, he's a really good composer, and he goes way back to the early 90s. Yeah. Well, Alexander Brandon did, in fact, compose the Deus Ex main title. And I just said something earlier which i need to correct myself which is that the music's not memorable how could i forget the unatco theme which was ah. composed apparently by michel Vandenboss. so yeah actually it's funny because i i tweeted about this a while back but i often get the unatco theme mixed up with the unity theme from no one lives forever because they kind of have <laughs> similar uh similar structures to them Oh, I'll have to hear those side by side. That's I, that's a game I forgot to put on my list too. But yeah, anyways, no oh, one lives man, forever. No, me too. But no one lives forever has a great soundtrack too. Really great. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the main theme song, which is great too. Oh, with the vocals. Yeah, yeah, the the yeah. It, yeah, very super spyish. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I have to uh, make the shameful admission that I have not finished or even gotten very far into Deus Ex. Uh, it's okay. It took me a while to, to get to it. I only just played it for the first time like two years ago. And Did you, it's, it feels very dated oh, like, visually absolutely. with the UI. Yeah, and especially coming back to it from or playing it after having played Deus Ex Human Revolution, which was my first foray into the Deus Ex series, which... You know, it, it the stealth is really well done, and it has cover mechanics and stuff. Not having that in Deus Ex was a little jarring at first, but I came to get used to it after a while. Oh, that new Deus Ex game, uh, Human Revolution, I hated that oh, game. Oh, really? I pre-ordered it. I bought into the hype and everything. I hated it so much. Oh, that's a shame. I found it just so wooden, and the stealth stuff I thought was super formulaic, like you just see people walking the same paths, and you had this weird kind of snap-to-the-wall mechanic where you would sneak... I don't know, it was that... I had just some weird experiences with it, like... Um, I, I, would, uh, I was in a police station, mm-hmm. and first I would, like... Jump! I could jump on a police... I, I jumped on one cop's desk, <laughs> and I opened up his desk, and I took out a whole bunch of shotgun shells and put them in my pocket and he didn't really mind. And I like jumped up and I stood on his head and I had a conversation with him while I was standing on his head. Then I went downstairs and I killed like, <laughs> like 14 people um, and came back upstairs and none of the cops cared. Mm. And while I was downstairs shooting all the people, like one enemy would stand still and shoot over and over and over into a wall or into like a pillar or something, not realizing that he wasn't hitting me. And he would yell things like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Oh boy. I found it just super, super wooden. I know I'm probably nitpicking on, on superficial elements, but my, I had an unfavorable experience. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I really enjoyed it. Conversation stuff seemed kind of cool. Yeah. I actually ripped that off a lot for a golden mic. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The whole so. well, the whole concept of like there's that augmentation or augment or whatever 
where you can read people's emotions, and it kind of oh, is this like for the trying to uh, set people up with the correct uh, yeah, real estate property? Well, yeah, more the the whole seller intuition thing and like yeah, those yeah. those things. Like that was me trying to do a Deus Ex Human Revolution. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, I like your implementation better, to be honest. Oh well, thank you. Uh, it was it was a little hit or miss, but yeah. Well, it didn't have to be explained away by technology or anything, though. Yeah, I so. guess. Your your um, your I don't know your 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 excuse for putting it into the game world, your excuse for your protagonist yeah. having that ability wasn't as ham-handed <laughs> as like taking a, a a piece of machinery and putting it into your face. I guess that's true. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the next one is another LucasArts adventure game. Surprise! Uh, it's Monkey Island Two. Oh, beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. Is that Michael Land? That is Michael Land, and I actually I think it's a combination of Michael Land, Peter McConnell, and the third person, Clint Bajakian. I think. I think yeah. the way it worked was they each got assigned an island, and okay. they did. Um, yeah, they they did stuff for each island. Um, but I mean, I grew up listening to that soundtrack and, you know, I could, I could probably, if I had any musical talent whatsoever and I could play any sort of instrument, I would probably be able to note for note, tell you that soundtrack because I've done that. I mean, I've listened to that soundtrack so much. So say what you will about the Monkey Island special editions. I think probably the only redeeming factor of those is that they redid the soundtrack with live instruments. And so hearing those melodies, Live, with live music is just probably the best thing ever for me. Um, now, how did they handle the iMu? I, I think I I bought both of those games and I the the remastered ones and I played like an hour of the first remastered one and I said well Screw the first this, one's and then I never played the yeah second the first one. one's terrible the second one isn't great was it better it's better it's not great but at least it's hmm. at least it's not as atrocious looking as the first one. Um, but yeah, they hand, they handled the iMuse quite well, actually, digitally. Um, basically, what they did was they took the um, the because I ripped the soundtrack from the from the game itself. It's all in there in MP3s. But what you find is that each of the musical key, like Woodtick, for example, you've got the main theme, and then you have like the the different. Uh, the interiors, and they all have like little cues for little di- digital cues for how they might end, depending on what part of the song you're in. Right. So it kind of anticipates what part of the song you're at, and then plays that cue, and then goes back. So it actually works fairly well. Um, obviously, they had to make some compromises here and there for certain things. Um, most notably, towards the end with the Lechuk. Uh, different versions of the LeChuck thing, but listening to that underground tunnels music done the way they did it, which they actually used like, I don't remember, I don't know what the instrument's called, but it's like, it's, um, it's sort of like a harp, but not really. Uh, they used it in red dead redemption. It's sort of like a sort of sound, uh, which you associate with like carnivals. And, like, you hear it, and it sounds like a carnival music, and, you know, if you haven't played Monkey Island 2, what's wrong with you? But, yeah, it's... Like a harp, you say? It's not so much a harp as it is... It's a stringed instrument-like sort of a harp, but it makes a very different sound to a harp. It's tuned very differently. I think it's Brazilian in origin. Um, it might not be. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's just going to kill me not knowing what it is. Uh... 
yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, Monkey Island too, real good. Um, Do you have a favorite piece of music from that soundtrack? Oh man, there's so many. Not really. I couldn't. I couldn't name just one. Although they did do this really great thing with Wally's theme in the remastered version, which is because I mean, if you remember the if you remember the the ad lib version, it's there's nothing too special about it. It's just kind of like you know the melody with the little thing happening in the background. Who's Who's Wally again? Wally's the cartographer. Oh, okay. In, right yeah, right at the beginning in Woodtick, and you go into his 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 place and it's just like do 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 whatever oh of course but in the remastered version that melody is played on a harpsichord with like the beats accentuated or the you know the bass line sort of accentuated with the harpsichord with a with a violin backing so there's that little bit where it goes do 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 whereas in the remastered version it does that on the on the or actually no i'm sorry there's a harpsichord backing. The melody is done on like a little pick sort of lute type sounding thing. And then there's the violin in the background. So when it sort of builds up to that bit. So when it does that, it the the, the plucking goes and then the violin goes as a little accent. And it's the simplest thing, but it's the most amazing thing. And when I listened to it, I had this like ear to ear grin because I was like, oh, my God, they nailed this. This sounds awesome. Oh, that's terrific. I wish this was like uh, I wish I could play it for you live on the podcast <laughs> to accentuate this. But uh, let me see if I let me see if I can if I can uh, cue it up here if I can find the original version somewhere. Uh, sure. Uh, Monkey Island to ad lib soundtrack. Actually, I could pull pull it up on Scum VM to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be my guest. This is. I mean, you are. But... Yes, I am your guest. Um, yeah. And thank you for having me once again. I stall while I tell you this. Uh, oh, what a pleasure! Well, while you're looking for it, I yes. guess I can say my favorite. Yes, absolutely. Piece. Please do. I I thought I can think of two actually. Um, one of them that I just thought of now would be Largo Legrand's Oh yeah. Theme, which is sort of that like bassoon. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah, I I think that's a great. It's a recurring theme, and it's a great, like sub villain kind of a theme. You always kind of feel this like comical dread whenever he comes around. I thought that was a really well composed thing with a perfect instrument to it. I think my favorite piece though is the swamp where you are approaching and then arrive at the voodoo ladies. Oh yeah, sure, and it keeps adding the instruments. Yes. The closer you get, I think that's just brilliant. Yeah. But it's such a, it's such like a spooky, sim- shimmery, uh, kind of anticipation theme. It's a really, really wonderful piece of music. Mm-hmm. Hang on, I'm almost at Wally here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, crap. I've had to rely on Scum VM once or twice recently, trying to find audio, uh, audio bits for the podcast for intros and stuff like that, yeah. and. Like, three out of the four times I've done it, I've luckily had these saved games that were immediately exactly where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. But it failed me this last time. I was hoping to uh, take something out of Sam and Max, mm-hmm. where you are at the uh, Bigfoot convention, the Bigfoot mm-hmm. party, in the hotel, and you speak with the Bigfoot chief's wife. Oogly, oogly, oogly. Bow, bow, bow. That's exactly what I wanted to put in, because we had our episode about uh, meaningful stories, and so 
<laughs> That's the most meaningful story you can be told. Yes, of course. The only ones I could find on YouTube had some Let's Play jerk talking over it, or skipping it, right. which is worst of uh -huh. all. Uh, yeah, too bad I couldn't put that in. Someday. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to try an experiment here, and I'm going to change my uh, microphone input settings to stereo mix and see if I can, if you can hear my computer, what my computer hears. Let's see how it goes. All right. I was doing but I don't well, think it was working. That that just disconnected this guy. Oh, call, nice! So. Even better. <laughs> yeah, even better. All right. Well, let me do it. Uh, let me do it the old-fashioned way, and uh, okay. unplug my headphones and put it through my speakers, which isn't going to sound great, but at least you'll get the general idea. Uh, I have to wait for the music to loop around again. So this will be the fun part where you edit it. <laughs> we are totally off the rails here. I love this uh, experimental spirit we got yeah. going on. All right, hang on. Almost there. Sure. Okay. All right, back on. All right, so here is the bit from the original version of Monkey Island 2. And here is the version from the remastered edition. <laughs> Which I think is absolutely fantastic. That was yeah, great. Yeah, and that's only just one of the little things that they did. It's just like listening to it outside of the game is fantastic. Um... Let me see if I can find real quick. Just see. Hang on. Uh, I don't suppose the uh, I don't suppose the remastered editions came with the soundtracks. No, I don't believe they did. This was all me just ripping the soundtrack like a jerk. Oh, I'm totally gonna do that. I, I haven't listened to the remastered soundtracks, okay. and I loved that. It's such a beautiful. Oh, piece absolutely. Of music, this but one. the underground tunnels I was telling you about. Uh, this bit here. Hang on. That sort of instrument that I don't know what it's called. That sounds like a thing that you actually you play it with hammers. Um, it's like it's like a sort of triangle with strings stretched across, and you play it with hammers. And I don't know what it's called. So if any of our listeners know what that is, please let us know. I'm done. I'm... Please do. I'm yeah. at a loss. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's cool. enough harping on on Monkey Island too. But actually, uh -huh. oh look at that! I didn't even I didn't even. Realize I did that. Wow, I'm a nice terrible job. person. <laughs> yeah, but uh, actually speaking, that that and you know how I love segues. That's an excellent segue into the next thing. Um, there's another game that sound this to which I love this soundtrack, and I'm really excited about the special edition that's coming up because I'm hoping they'll do the same thing with the soundtrack, and that's Day of the Tentacle. Oh, I would yeah. absolutely love to hear the Day of the Tentacle main theme done like with the melbourne symphony orchestra that oh yeah oh man 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 i forgot they were remaking yeah. that somehow i'm so stoked for that especially after the phenomenally perfect job they did of remastering grim fandango yeah although i'm a little bit more wary of dave the tentacle because i'm sure they're probably going to redo the graphics and stuff it's probably going to be more akin to the monkey island special editions than grim fandango where they didn't really 
touch any. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they'll surprise us. We'll see. I think the biggest challenge is going to be the animations, yeah. which were so funny and so, so good yeah. in that game. I don't know. I'm wary. But, well, yeah. if nothing else, hopefully we'll have a fantastic soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's actually a video floating around on YouTube of some orchestra doing the Day of the Tentacle theme. And it's really good for the most part. Like, they miss a couple of timing bits here and there, and it kind of like, it's kind of like, when you hear it, if you know the, the soundtrack. Um, oh, yeah, that yeah. Me. So, I mean, but, but overall, they do a really good job of it. Um, By the way, what you said just reminded me of a, it's a non sequitur, I guess, but it seems relevant mm -hmm. here. I watched this cool documentary about people with Alzheimer's, and uh, they did a test where they would play a song uh, that the that this person recognized from their childhood, like they didn't recognize their own children, but they would play the song and their face would absolutely mm -hmm. light up, and then they would uh, purposefully play one note wrong, and their their face would oh, cringe. Wow. So it's like there there are these specifics of of their lives that they just didn't recognize whatsoever, but these pieces of music they knew so well and was like written on their soul wow. somehow so thoroughly that when one little thing was incorrect that they would recognize it immediately. I thought that's, that was really yeah, that's pretty thing. amazing. That really says a lot. Thing about the human yeah, condition. exactly. Yeah. I just linked you by the way to a video with the audio of the Prague Symphony Orchestra doing the Day of the Tentacle theme. Thank you very much for that. I've got that in the notes yeah. now. Um, and I'll power down the list a little bit here because I see we're getting kind of short on time and I still have a few okay. few things. Uh, let's go back to the old NES days and mention let's... Star Tropics. Oh, which, yeah, that's a yeah, good choice. That cave theme is... It's repetitive and it's short, but it's a classic and I, I love mm -hmm. it. Um that was a very charming soundtrack. It's kind of, um, it kind of, I guess, has like a Caribbean sort of a xylophony kind of a thing. Yeah, to it. kind of. It's it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Or not not xylophone. It would be like marimba yeah, yeah, or yeah, like yeah, steel yeah. drums kind or something. Like that. Yeah, Harry. yeah. But yeah, the do 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 do. <laughs> that will forever be stuck in my head. Um, another yeah. NES game with a fantastic soundtrack is Battletoads, of course. Oh, yeah, that has the most awesome pause music ever. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes, man. <Yeah. laughs> it does. Oh, except the instruments that they use, too. I don't even know if they're instruments. I guess they're like the punching yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're the most bombastic. Yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah. sounds. That's a great Absolutely. soundtrack. That's a, that game pisses me the hell off, though. Boy, I finished that, that game. You finished it? That is the most... I've watched people do speedruns of that Although, game. And, like, they fail at I, it. It's so I have punishing. to confess, I finished the version on Sega Genesis. Oh, I did Yeah, and I think they dialed down the difficulty a little bit. Because... Uh, I've only played the game. Yeah, I got, I got as far as the the bit where you have to race the those circular things, in like, towards the end. And okay. yeah, but that game was that game was hard. I'm, I've been actually I've been trying to find a copy for a while to play on my NES that I have up here. But um, yeah, I, I haven't. Well, I haven't really made too much of an effort to like go out to those old vintage stores that sell old video games. But they go they they get pretty pricey on eBay. So 
Really? That was a very popular one. I thought there would be no problem with Yeah, uh, you'd be surprised. Well, I don't know if it's so much supplier if they're banking on nostalgia, but yeah, like they don't I mean, I say right. pricey, but like they usually sell for like 20 to 30 dollars and I'm just not willing to put down that much money for an, an NES game, especially considering that I got my copy of Star Tropics for like 2 dollars. So, mm, you'd think that would be more yeah. of a rare one, but that is a yeah. very good one. So, but anyway, yeah, Battletoads, the main theme especially is like one of the best NES theme songs I think I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. I love how they approximate the sounds of the electric guitars. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of do like a surf rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, really good. Oh, one. man, I should probably mention Mega Man 2. That has a great soundtrack, too. It's... That has an epic yeah. soundtrack. Unbelievably good. That is like the epitome of chip yeah, music. Yeah, pretty basically. much. It's... That whole series is phenomenal. Yeah, have you, heard, have you heard the mini-bosses cover of the Mega Man the, the Mega Man 2 oh, medley. Oh, I they don't do. know if I have. Oh. Yeah, they're like a rock cover band. They're, yeah, they do like video game covers. And they have this mm. great Mega Man 2 medley. I have... Well, let me oh. find another <laughs> another video for you. Uh, this, these show notes are going to be pretty cramped with, uh, with stuff. They often Good. are. Um, here we go. Mega Man 2. Yeah, it's a, it's a 10 minute long medley of the best themes from Mega Man 2 and it's pretty oh, pretty terrific. amazing um, and you know it's it's really awesome because I saw them in concert well I didn't see them in concert I saw a video of them doing a concert and like the audience was singing along to like to the, <laughs> to the song to it, instrumentals no and I was like that is that tells you something when like music is so ingrained in your subconscious or conscious or whatever that like you hear it performed and you're at a concert and it's an instrumental and you just start la la laing along to it. That's really something, especially the Mega Man ones. They have like a lot of like sixteenth and thirty second notes. Yeah. Like they're 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 catchy, but they're pretty complex. Yeah. Actually, I saw a video recently on Facebook. Some uh, someone posted of uh, people doing the same thing, but to Rush's Y Y Z or well Y Y Z, I suppose. Um, oh yeah, well which done. which. Um, <laughs> Which same thing. It's like that's pretty awesome that like people so love an instrumental that they just sing along to it while you perform it. Yeah, that was that was one of the toughest uh, Guitar Hero songs oh, yeah. I remember because <laughs> the weird the time signatures and all of the unpredictability. Yeah. So yeah, indeed, that is a tough one for people to sing yeah, along. Yeah, but with. they did. Um, all right, next one is I've only got uh, three slash four left because um, one is kind of. There are two games in the series. Uh, the next one is a very... It's sort of an obscure title, but it's got probably some of my favorite uh, intro music is Ween the Prophecy. It's a cocktail vision game. Um, mm, I know of it. Oh, it's, it. it's a really weird game, but it's the music is perform- or composed by uh, Charles Calais, who did the uh, music for the Goblins games as well. I believe he's no longer with mm. us. Rest in peace, sir. Um, but... The intros, the intro music for Ween is like, there's at least six different tracks. They all bounce from one to the next one, and they get progressively more and more like intense. And the very last one is like, I've I've said and I've tweeted about this. I would love to hear like a, a live version, like heavy metal cover of it because it's got some insane, insane like melodic just buildups, and it's pretty crazy. Um, I should play a little bit of it for you so you can hear what I'm talking about. Because Anatoly, our friend Anatoly, uh, I guess I can boing, but that's that's sort of a thing we do on the uh, 
That's my thing, thing. yeah. Um, Anatoly was kind enough to rip the soundtrack and send me a bit of it. Um, Hmm. Or actually send it to me. He has has it on YouTube. But, uh, hang on, let's see here. Uh, Here we go. Right, so, this bit here. Anyway, can you imagine hearing that like on a guitar? That'd be pretty. Awesome. Yeah, it's a little yeah. intense. <laughs> I want to. I'd love to hear that someday, but alas, it's sure. probably too obscure to ever hear. But a man can dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, pretty cool! I've already put it cool. in the show notes. Thank you very much, Anatoly, for uh, giving. Yes, us thank the you, Anatoly. Um, next, we. I've. I'm going to round off with Ubisoft and the great. Um, Oh my god, what's his name? It completely slipped my mind. Michel Ancel is the designer. <laughs> and the composer with the French composer with the Oh, Christophe Eral, of course. How could I how could I forget good old Christophe Eral? Uh Christophe Eral's soundtracks for Rayman Origins is absolutely fantastic. Um mm, yes. Oh, very yes, whimsical. Very whimsical and it uses a lot of like chipmunk style uh vocals, though they manage not to be annoying, which is quite a feat if you consider it <laughs> yeah um and just some really really great pieces just like i love i love them so much and talk about using leitmotifs he really uses a whole bunch of them but um mm-hmm. but yeah the, some standout tracks in particular are when you're on the mosquito and it's this very like airy like sort of air battle type music but it also manages to be done with a kazoo so it sounds like a mosquito and it's really really amazing um, and I love. Yeah, he's very. Playful. He is. Yeah, he has a very playful sensibility when it comes to writing his music, and I think that really shows yeah. in Origins. Legends, I like the soundtrack too, but Legends was a little bit more cinematic and more bombastic. I think, which I just kind of liked the sort of like I don't know more, not personal, but Origins was a little bit more scaled back, and I don't know, it just was a little bit more memorable. I mean, there's some great tracks on the on the Rayman Legends soundtrack, but it didn't stand out as much, unfortunately. But it was still it was still a great mm. big soundtrack, and also the soundtrack to Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, that's a that is a one. fantastic soundtrack, and standouts on that one are, of course, Fun and Mini Games, which play when plays when you race, um, which is sung in mm-hmm. gibberish, which I actually was nerdy enough to memorize <laughs> the words in gibberish. Because it kind of sounds like Spanish. It kind of sounds like they're trying to do like a fake Spanish thing. So I memorized mm-hmm. it phonetically. And I taught it to Ben. So we sing it quite often. <laughs> I, we actually learned how to play it on guitar too. So I joked that we. Oh, I joked that someday we should become subway buskers and just like s- s- play that song. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah. And of course. That soundtrack also had uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. I was just going to say the Mama Go Garage, which is also in sort of yeah. a gibberish thing that's right so that's another really whimsical one and it also gelled very very well with the uh art style yeah yeah it did yeah very cohesive presentation from top to bottom so yeah that's pretty much my list now let's let's get into yours 
Okay, that is a splendid list. All right, well, I think, uh, I don't know, we'll cover as much of my list as we can get to. Um, I guess I'll start it out by trying to uh, see if I can fish for games that you uh, may have played. I definitely wanted to mention Quest for Glory. Oh, yes! Oh, I oh, I was dumb enough to forget to uh, mention the the composer. Let me see. If oh, I, can find that. I think uh, it was was no, it wasn't. Oh, I'm trying to remember who the. I don't think it was one of their usuals. Uh, oh, yes, Aubrey okay, Hodges. yeah, Aubrey Hodges was not one of their us- usual ones. Yeah, no, absolutely. Quest for Glory Four is sort of like this weird standout from the rest of them. It's kind of it has kind of an I don't know what you'd call it like a Roma Hungarian sort of a. Uh, sort of a it does, but at it. the same time, um, it has this very like rock sensibility to it. Just the main theme song, yeah. Some of it, it has does. This, it, like it, it very much right. uses electric guitars, well, MIDI electric guitars, like for the combat stuff and for the main theme and the whole climactic battle at the end. Oh, I love that mm-hmm. piece at the end. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of my actually. I think I included it in top scores as well because it's like yeah, the the f- bit where mm-hmm. you fight. Adavis at the end, and Katrina sacrifices herself. And I'll, oh, sorry, spoilers for those of you who haven't played. Um, oh, it's, it's been twenty something years. The statute yeah. Of limitations. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, I didn't finish it though. You didn't. I don't know if it was a. I don't know if it was a bug or if it was frustration or oh, it's because it's one oh, of those yeah. games that has like a global timer. Oh uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I always, no matter where I am, I feel like I'm not in the right place or doing something wrong, and I find that super oh. stressful. Well. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. I've I've been actually meaning because there's like things that happen on certain nights that never happen again, and you have to be in the right place. I don't right think time. it's that unforgiving. I'm pretty sure that I think was it was. It? There's like, yeah, I think there were certain meetings that only take place like on the night night number five yeah, or yeah. something. It gets pretty it gets pretty meticulous, as huh. I recall. I don't know. It's maybe I'm I don't know. It's been now. a while. I've been meaning to do a full series playthrough for a while, but I haven't gotten around to it. Mm. But yeah, no, absolutely. I think Quest for Glory Four probably has the best soundtrack of. Well, Quest for Glory 4 has a great soundtrack. Quest for Glory 5 has a nice soundtrack, too, because it's like it's or- orchestral, too. Um, I know that you talked about this on the podcast before, how you had the soundtrack CD. Oh, yeah, for yeah, number yeah. 5, that's right. I found it at a... At a yeah, yeah, I've store. got that one, too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Really? I don't know if I've listened to it oh, yet. Oh, yeah. I don't no, remember. It's... I, think it was, I think I did listen to it, and I didn't find it as memorable Yeah, somehow. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right. It's... Yeah, but yeah, no, it definitely has the demo on it, and it's got the soundtrack as well. Um, mm. It's like a little soundtrack sampler thing. But no, Quest for Glory 4 definitely is, is, is a good soundtrack. I think it's just stunning. I listen to it all the time. I just find it really kind of soothing and nostalgic. It's, I don't know, I don't know. It's it's very Yeah, very it's got some really good pieces, some haunting pieces too, like the, the Rizalka theme. That's yes. a great one. It's got a great little use of... Uh, I guess little like chimey bells. Yeah, it does a great job in general of making themes for specific characters. Mm. Oh, it does like a comical rock kind of a thing for Doctor oh, Brain yeah. or whatever he <laughs> Dr. is. Doctor Cranium. It's not Doctor Brain, That's, is it? Yeah. Doctor Cranium. Yeah, actually, that was funny. Yeah. The, the bit in the Doctor Cranium bit where you like before you go and see him in his lab. There's the bit outside, mm. and it kind of sounds like the music from Castle of Doctor Brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I appreciate that. He's a real, he's a real fourth wall kind of a guy. I seem to remember him talking about pizza. Yeah, like yeah. The fifth element is pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not love, it's pizza. That's right. So that's a really mm. good one. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, I have on my list... 
Okay, I've got at least two more Sierra games on my list. I definitely want to call attention to Leisure Suit Larry 5 by Craig hmm. Safan. I think that's how it's okay. pronounced. This is a game that is pretty maligned as far as I've come across, and I had a really special place in my heart. And then I tried to play it again recently, and I sort of could tell where all the criticism was coming from. Um, this one has a different art style and different music than any of the other Leisure Suit Larrys. Um, it has kind of a... I don't know, it's kind of like a, a pop art splattery 1980s yeah. kind of a yeah. feel to it with like these borders that have like splattered paint and uh, it's a little bit like grotesque in terms of like things being a little bit deformed. Yeah. Well, we hope it's paint. Um, <laughs> being right. a visual right. you can never tell. And being like neon yeah. colored yeah. as well. <laughs> um, the The soundtrack... How do I even describe this? It is very much... I think it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a 1980s style soundtrack, I suppose I would say. It's kind of like... Uh, I don't want to say... I don't know if it's kind of Miami Vice a little bit, but not in... Gosh, this is a hard one to describe, so you can see why I would put it on my list. <laughs> but... Um, it also has a good uh, variety of styles. It has kind of like adult contemporary, slightly jazzy sort of stuff. It has some like approximations of like rap kind of music with those oh, horrible yeah. general MIDI patches of record scratching and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and it has like synthesizer, synth pop kind of sounds to it. So like late 80s, early 90s uh, sort of a feel to it. Um, and I don't know. I guess I don't have too much. Who to did say you say it, the composer that. was? Craig Safan huh. is the guy's name. I don't recognize his name from any yeah. of the Sierra games, as a Neither matter of fact. Um, S A F A N mm. is his last Interesting. name. I I hate to admit this, but I don't really. I can't, for the life of me, recall a, any specific piece from Leisure Suit Larry Five. It wasn't a very memorable soundtrack for me. I don't. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, let me see. There is one place called the Hard Disk Cafe, which is like yeah. a cafe. Is that in New York? I think I you go to think different it's areas. An, yeah, I think that's the one in Atlantic cities. City. Or maybe, okay. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a while since. No, no the Atlantic so. City's the boardwalk where you skate around. I don't remember where it was. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't remember where it was either. But uh, it does have a few like uplifting and actually, I don't know if I'd call it memorable, but they're mm. catchy. What I do it. totally worth a listen. Yeah, I do anyway. remember that the Hard Disk Cafe had like three different, or maybe more different tunes that would that would play randomly. Oh, maybe I right think about that. I'm not sure, but I could be wrong. Okay, well, a lot. I I guess if I could use any word to describe the music in general, it would be like it's cool okay. music. Uh in that. It's, like, kind of easygoing and, like, I don't know, it makes you feel like a cool guy when you listen to this music. Let's just Which is say interesting, that. considering it's a Leisure Suit Larry game about I suppose arguably so, yeah, very uncool guy. The antithesis to yeah. that, right? Sure. All right, well, I won't say any more about it because I don't have the vocabulary for okay. it, really. But um, another, uh, another noteworthy... Um, Sierra soundtrack would be Police Quest 3. Ah, uh, you know, it's. I actually was wondering if you were going to mention that when you said about that Leisure Suit Larry 5 sounded Miami Vice to you, because, yeah. Because this is this by, is the, by guy, the guy, right? <laughs> Jan Hammer yeah. is his name. I don't know if he's Swedish. Uh, I don't know, but with a name like Hammer. I'm not sure. 
He might be Norwegian. <laughs> He's a Swedish or from L.A. Uh, maybe. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> well, he uh, writes, oh, <laughs> Jan Mjolnir yeah. or something. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this this whole soundtrack is made by Ian Hammer, who is like the synthesizer master who did the the Miami Vice theme mm-hmm. song, um, and this being you know a, a kind of a cop game, well, not more than more than kind of I suppose, being called Police Quest and all, it's very much a cop mm-hmm. game. Um, it totally keeps that sort of a theme of like you know cops on the beat cruising around at nighttime and uh, shady shady doings that transpiring and stuff like that. Um, it is a, a really, really cool soundtrack with terrific instruments. And I mean, they're the general MIDI instruments too, but it makes wonderful use of the compositions and of the of the instruments. This is one of those games, I guess, where I played it on Sound Blaster, and when I hear it on any other sort of a sound device, it sounds a little wrong mm. to me. The same was true, by the way, of uh, the Monkey Island games to me. If I'm not hearing it on Sound Blaster or AdLib, it sounds yeah. funny to me. Um, although, I, I, again, I really do need to hear those special edition orchestral yeah. versions. Um, Police Quest 3. So the instruments are, they do have some, a lot of uh, keyboards and synthesizers are pretty predominant. And a lot of uh, backing electric guitar chords, um, giving it kind of a gritty feel as well. So it's like a very urban soundtrack. Um, and, I don't know, it's very, it is it is rather similar to the Miami Vice sort of a sort of a tone yeah i i'm Um, i was trying to remember and yeah i do remember a few pieces that stick out in my mind mostly the main theme and like a few others here like the driving music i remember too that's that gets really grating actually (laughs) this is way too much driving well yeah but i remember it changes based on like if you're just normally driving around or if you're in pursuit of someone then it kind of gets a little bit more intense and yeah that's right there's like the regular patrol the intense music driving music is actually kind of cool from what I... Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's yeah. one really pretty piece of music, which is, you know, in this game, uh, your the protagonist's girlfriend, Marie, uh, is attacked and hospitalized, yes. and so she's in the hospital for most of the game. And whenever you visit her in the hospital, there's this very yes. sad piece of music with this really terrific, shimmery synthesizer uh, lead mm. instrument. Um, and it's a very, like, thoughtful, emotional piece of music with really pretty uh, harmonics mm. to it. So that's probably the most memorable piece in the whole in the whole game, even though it's not necessarily uh, the most, like, energetic or, or yeah. I don't know. It, I'll have to go one. back and listen to it one. because I actually don't remember it. <laughs> but, I yeah. think the whole, well, oh, and while we're speaking of all the Sierra music, I haven't checked for a couple of weeks now, but there was this incredible website called quest yeah Studios. i actually i went there a couple of weeks ago and it said it's temporarily closed and i was surprised because they're usually online i don't know what's going on oh i just checked it out right now it's and there's a message that says sierra music fans andrew luciano has graciously offered to host the quest Studios sierra soundtrack series oh well there you go that's great because Without without any uh, announcement or fanfare, it was all yeah. removed from the website, and I was so sad yeah. about this because this guy hosted uh, he hosted really nicely rendered versions of the Sierra soundtracks, the MIDI soundtracks, like played with nice expensive sound cards Whoa. and uh, different varieties. <laughs> Sorry, of sound I cards. just I just clicked on the link to the MIDI Music Adventure Show, which is their new thing, and it has embedded music and it's the sierra thing so i was like what is that noise because i'm wearing my headphones oh. <laughs> ah. 
Oh gosh, it's doing yeah. it for me too. Okay, web designers, if you're making a website that automatically plays music, um, I, I would advise taking some sort of a retractable baton and putting it near your bum and pressing the button because I don't like you. <laughs> Oh boy, do I hate that. That's such a pet peeve. I know, it's like, where's that noise coming from? I'm frightened. Uh, I use I use the Firefox uh, web browser and I'm jealous of Chrome that now has some feature yeah. that like, puts a little icon next to the tabs that are making yeah, music. Yeah, I use Firefox too. <laughs> so. Oh, poor yeah, well. Anyway, sorry, you were in the middle of saying something. I think I was at the end of saying something. Oh. That's... Okay. That'll do. What's uh? Let's see. What am I going to talk about next on my list? Um. Oh, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Perhaps you have played this one. Perhaps you have not. I want to mention Animal Crossing. I have not played Animal Crossing, but I have heard plenty of the music from it. Oh, and there is plenty of music yes. to be heard. It is. I I have a rip of the GameCube version, which is the first version of the game that was released um, in English. There was one for the Nintendo 64 in Japan only. Um, the GameCube version, the soundtrack is something like seven hours wow. long. It's amazing. Um, and it is mostly made up of like a bunch of one and two and three minute songs, which is really quite incredible. So like literally seven, probably more than seven hours of music. Um, which, incidentally, is about the length of one uh, average workday. So if you really yeah. want to live in uh, dreamy dreamland, you can stick that on in the morning and you're pretty much done at the end okay. of the day. Um, another really whimsical um, soundtrack, of, uh, it kind of evokes like innocence and playfulness and like childishness, I suppose. But it does it in really clever ways. The soundtrack is really quite minimalist. It uses... Like a very few instruments per song, at least, and even very few notes per measure. It kind of does a lot with with uh, very very few resources. Like willfully, it is willfully uh, sparse. Um, they this is the, really the sort of a composition where it's like significant to listen kind of between the notes or to to appreciate what's not being played. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, implications, like a lot of a lot of complexity is implied. Hmm. So really, really nice soundtrack. It's uh, the star of this soundtrack, I suppose, is the character known as KK oh, Slider, who who is this uh, musician guy who comes by every Saturday yeah. night. Um, to uh, you can visit him at a coffee shop and he'll play uh, songs. Yeah, I, and, uh, I remember first... you mentioning KK Slider last time I was on this podcast, and I went and subsequently looked up videos on YouTube, and yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was <laughs> it was quite interesting. Oh, it's adorable and hilarious, mm-hmm. really, really cute. And so KK Slider has I don't know, he must have like fifty or sixty or seventy songs that he can Holy play, crap. and every single one of them is a different genre of music. And so he has like uh he he's a guitar player, like a singer, songwriter, guitar playing. He's vocalist. also a dog. And he's a dog, <laughs> right. As 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 the game is called Animal yes. Crossing, it's all anthropomorphized animals. Everyone but you is an animal. Well that's which is kind of, <laughs> That's weird. It's super do they, weird. Do they treat and, you like badly because you're not? Oh no. 
Well, really, everyone. It's there are you will have like you know three three characters who are birds or three characters who are cats or something like that. Three characters who are ducks. But there's a roster of I don't know like over a hundred different characters, and you'll have I don't know eight or so of these people living in your town at any one time. And every now and then, one will leave and a new one will come. And everybody treats each other as equals. Okay. For better or for worse, even though they're all different, and you are the only human, huh. so that's kind of a neat thing where you're the odd yeah. That, man that out, sounds like literally. kind of a nightmare situation, really. It kind of <laughs> is. It's it, you don't have one, anyone to relate to, yeah. I guess, unless you play with someone else in your house, uh, and then and then you have person. the horror of mystery setting. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, did oh you look I that did. Up? I did. Believe me, it gave me mystery yeah. setting, and he has an angry song too. Yeah, well, the you... music. <laughs> he's Mr. Angry. He's just a great a great thing. I I think we explained it before, but Mr. Resetti uh appears if you reset your game or turn off your game without saving and then uh you uh turn your game on and uh, this mole man kind of pops out of the ground and just gives you this whole long-winded tirade blah 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 blah. It's terrible that you didn't save. You really have to save. Hey, by game. the way, didn't I mention you saving? should save? <laughs> so yeah. That's br- that's brilliant. So, uh, I'm going to have to f- see if I can find it. There's a website that plays Animal Crossing music, um, depending on the time of day. There are 24 compositions in Animal Crossing, one for each hour of an ordinary day. So, if it's like 2 a.m., there's a song. And if when it t- turns to 3 a.m., there's a different song. Um and 4 p.m., there's a whole song that plays for an hour. And it's like, I don't know, a two-minute song or so, but it loops. Um, and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful music. It's very low-key so that no matter what you're doing, it's not. it doesn't really like overwhelm your perception. But it's always there, and it kind of colors the mood that you're in, I suppose. When it's almost sunrise, then you have this feeling of anticipation. And when it's almost sunset, then you kind of have this lazy feeling like like it's it's been a long day and you're ready to unwind. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the magic hour. So there's a website that plays the music appropriate for the time of day, uh, based on based on what time it is. I'll, I'll see if I can dig that up. Hmm. Uh, terrific soundtrack. Uh, go find it, especially if you've got seven hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening um, to this podcast, you clearly have time to kill. So maybe you have four exactly. more hours to kill. If we haven't killed yes. your entire day by the time we're done jaw yeah. flapping. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's move along to the next one. I would like to mention here a Genesis game. I never owned a Genesis, but I've gone out of my way to seek out this soundtrack called, uh, for the games called Streets oh of Rage. Oh my god, yes! Streets of Rage oh, 2 this... has got the best soundtrack for any Genesis game. Yes, I remember that being a standout. <laughs> I don't think I can pick a favorite between one, two, and oh. three. They're all the same composer, yeah. a guy named Yoko Shimomura. Yes. And my goodness, like, this is, um, the Genesis uh, sound chip. It's kind of like a tinny grating, <laughs> not not a bad sound chip, but it has a very characteristic sound yes, to it. Yes, it does. It. And not always pleasant, and it takes, like, a real master to kind of tame that wild beast of a weird sound chip. Yeah. Chip. Uh, this guy, uh, oh, Oh, I I I, uh, I said the wrong name. Yoko Shimomura. That's the name of the Street Fighter Two. It's uh, Yuzo Kosh- Koshiro. Yes, Yuzo Koshiro is the name of the guy for Street yes. of Rage. Um, he he 
is just pays such a wonderful homage to techno. Oh, and are you kidding music. me? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Listen to this. Please, please. This is like my childhood. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's ten minutes long, so I'm not going to play the whole thing, but it's YouTube link to this for show notes as well. But Oh, man. Are you oh, kidding sure. me? This was like 1992. This was like the height of like that techno sort of like renaissance that happened then and I remember hearing all that stuff and it was just like this sounds like I'm listening to the radio was it really 1992 that's unbelievable because that is even early for this kind of stuff like this is a really well Japan was always ahead of everyone else (laughs) well I suppose so but I mean rave music was this was predominantly American and European so Japan was a little bit late to the party so I mean that Although I guess it, it, the the games take place in America. Uh, yeah, sort of. I they, guess. I don't know. Yeah, they kind of do. Yeah, actually, I never played Streets of Rage one or three, uh, and I never actually owned Streets of Rage two. I think I borrowed it from someone, but yeah, I remember the standout being the music by far. Well, I am actually lucky enough. I don't think I played any of them on the original hardware, but I'm lucky enough to still have a copy of this Streets of Rage remake. That was a fan project that was made a few years ago, and it sort of took all the characters and all the levels and all the enemies from all the games and stuck them into one Mm. game. It also took um, remixers from the OC Remix websites, and every single one of the songs, I believe, from all the games all put together are put into this big mega soundtrack, which I think is a good two or three hours long, maybe more. Um, and all remastered with, uh, like, kind of the more legitimate actual uh, uh, instruments, although the original uh, Genesis soundtrack, as I mentioned, is unbelievably good and very high fidelity, mm-hmm. like, a real master um, harnessing this sound mm-hmm. chip. But the remixes are really, really fantastic. So I... This, this uh, remake got pulled because of a complaint by... Yeah, Sega. I, I, yeah I remember reading about that. And, and to my knowledge, it's never come back huh. again. Uh, I have a copy of this thing, and like, what the <laughs> hell? I'll uh, I'll I'll upload this and stick it in the show notes. Do it. I don't think you can even get this anywhere else except for maybe BitTorrent. Uh, I'm gonna put well, this in the show notes. I, I so hope I the forget. the heat doesn't come down on you for this. Yeah, well, I'll take it off if anybody has a problem right. with it. But uh, until then, I will assume that it's a okay. Mm. Oh, man, I'm listening to the boss music theme right now. This is the most... (laughs) Oh, what what do you got for us? (laughs) It's so, so, so 90s techno. It's great. It's amazing. It's Dancing to this. <laughs> right. Anyway, man, I need to download this soundtrack and like play it more in my life. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I will. Uh, there are, I think, og. Oh, fantastic! Of every song in the one that I'm going to upload. So, oh, oh uh, man, I'm so happy uh, you it's... mentioned this because I hadn't thought about Streets of Rage two in ages. 
Oh, I've I've listened to it again and again oh, now it's because great. it's just so very very good. Even if it were not video game music, I would listen. Oh to yeah, it absolutely. Exceptionally well yeah. composed. Love it. They actually put out. Um, it wasn't a remake, but it was um, on PlayStation on the PlayStation Network. You could download Streets of Rage Two as like a classic uh, Sega game, and they had added like trophy stuff. And I, I think I got it. Uh, I, they were offering like a free trial of uh, PlayStation Plus, and that was one of the games that you could get for free if you had PlayStation Plus. So I downloaded it, and unfortunately, after the free trial expired, it meant that you couldn't keep any of the games that you had gotten on PlayStation Plus. But I replayed it, and yeah, it was great. It was a nice trip down memory lane. It's hard. They're awesome yeah. games. That was kind of a genre that was sort of tough to yeah, pull off. Yeah, the whole off, like side-scrolling street brawler. That's right. So some of them were lousy, and some of them were exceptional, yeah. and it had like just enough complexity that it kept it interesting. Well, you'll love this uh, remake. Oh, version. I will. I'm downloading it as soon as we finish talking here. Oh yeah. Well, I'll oh, upload yeah. it as soon as uh, as, as, soon soon as we're the... done. I'll, I'll yeah, send cool. you a link. Great. All right. So that's Streets of Rage. I'm running low on time, so maybe I'll mention another couple okay. or so, and then we can call right. it a day. Um, what's a good one to mention that I haven't talked about before? Um, Oh, here's a really, really good one. Um, this is a PC game, American McGee's Alice. Oh yeah, I played that, but I played a, <laughs> um, I played a version that may or may not have been uh, complete, nah. and so I don't think my version had. Mu- I know it didn't have opening or closing cutscenes, so it might not have had music either. Uh yeah. So this was, I guess, it was around the year two thousand or so. Yeah. This game. Yeah, this uh, it has a soundtrack by a guy named Chris Vrenna. He was one of the he was a one time member of Nine Inch oh, wow. Nails. Uh, I think he might have done one or two other video games as well. But um, he uh, his soundtrack it's very creepy and spooky. It plays on a lot of themes from like kind of children's music sounding stuff like little xylophones and metallophones, uh, and he's. Uh, he really reinforces um, he really reinforces loops and patterns and stuff like that. A lot of like repetitions of a four beat loop or a four bar mm-hmm. pattern. Uh, so it's like uh, uh, got a real kind of a clockwork feel to it. Quite percussive and rhythmic. Mm. Um, with uh, it's kind of offset by chords, like soft chords that will play in the background, and they sound a little bit spooky and ghosty. I'm thinking of that one level, the school, the SKUL yeah. or whatever with the creepy kids, that probably yeah, yes. my game definitely didn't have music. Oh, what well, you're really yeah. missing out. And especially because that was that was totally a game when I heard about it. I didn't realize it was going to be like an action shooter platformer kind mm-hmm. of a game. I wish that was an adventure game and not an action mm-hmm. game. Because it had an awesome art style. It had terrific voice acting. Like, the music, of course, is just unforgettable and unbelievably good. Um, And I found it kind of frustrating as a shooter platformer. Yeah. Third-person shooter action game. Yeah, it was kind of weird as far as the controls sometimes, but yeah. It was kind of weird. It was kind of touchy and sensitive. But it it had cool weapons. It had, like, a... Uh, a big bloody yeah. dagger or a croquet. Oh mallet. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Alice in Wonderland. I can't think of what else. Oh, you had playing cards that you could throw. Like, yeah, there was it. a blunderbuss that you got towards the end that would had like crazy recoil. Oh, I don't think I ever made it this uh, far as yeah. that. 
and it had really, really cool level design, like a, another kind of grotesque-looking game with things that are totally misshapen yeah. or moving around or twitching or having faces that <laughs> yeah. shouldn't. Um, lots of like magical portals that you go through and like shimmering and particles and stuff like that. That was a really yeah. cool one. But that is an unbelievably good soundtrack. That uh, it's you no, know, my wife and I don't agree on music uh, all the time or even <laughs> often. But this is one that we can put on any time at all, and uh, we both like. What? She she likes more. She likes more like uh, I don't know. She likes orchestral stuff, and she likes uh, Irish jig okay. kind of music and like folk music. Is like she that. from Newfoundland? And I like. No, okay. she isn't. <laughs> <laughs> she does have some uh, Irish, Welsh ancestry, oh, okay. though, so that's where some of that interest Fair comes enough. from. But yeah, in in uh, Maritimes uh, Canada, they do listen to a lot of that kind the of stuff. Ireland too. in the waves. Anyway, yes. Anyway, okay. So there's that. Uh, let's do one okay. more, I think, and then we can call it All a right. day. All right. Well, I would be remiss then if, uh, since I've already brought up the topic of mod music, I need to bring up the game Star Control. Oh, too. I've never played Star Control too. Oh, so this there's a lot to love and a lot to not so love about Star Control. <laughs> I've heard nothing but good things um, about it, to be honest. There really is nothing but good stuff about this game. It is an epic, unbelievably excellent, fantastic game of unbelievably humongous yeah. scale and exceptionally witty mm. writing and tons and tons of it. This game has... Well, I, I, here I go talking about everything but the music <laughs> to start off with, but... Uh, this Star Control 2 has the the writing in this game is as good as any other game you will ever play. Okay. And I I don't hesitate for a moment to say that. It's uh like a big open universe sort of a game. I guess you'd call it like a 4X game where you have to build up a bunch of allegiances and then use those to overpower the opposing side, but it is predominantly a story-based game where you are uh, you're the only human in the universe that hasn't been enslaved in this slave shield, and you have to travel through the stars finding other races to ally with you to uh, to oppose this uh, conquering hmm. force. Um, the Every single race of creatures that you meet, it has its own art style. They have their own kind of ship that has its own spaceship that has its own powers, and you the combat in this game is top-down, one ship versus one ship, dogfighting sort of a thing. Um, like Space War, if anyone happens to be familiar with that very old game. Perhaps the oldest of video games, as a matter <laughs> of fact. I think it was from the oh, 60s. Wow. Um, so, ship versus ship combat. Uh, so every race has its own spaceship with its own art style. They also have their own, you know, uh, portrait, which has amazing animation, amazing art. All the aliens look either cuddly or squishy <laughs> or gross or frightening or they had lots of teeth, something like that. Um, and they all have their own theme song as well, which plays in the background while you're speaking to each other. And so there's lots of dialogue trees and stuff like that. The music isn't really dynamic. There's like the battle music, there's the hyperspace music, there's mu one song per race, and there's like intro and outro music, and that might be about it. Um, the songs are all four-channel mod songs, so that means that they never play more than four sounds at the same hmm. time. And I don't think they even have stereo or anything. I think they're all in mono. Um, the the soundtrack was decided upon by a contest that the 
game authors uh, put out to the demo scene and the mod music scene, um, they were just kind of fishing around to see who had music that seemed appropriate, and they had this little contest, and four people won. I don't remember the names of any of them. I think two were from America and two were from Finland. Mm. Um, And so they kind of did a divide-and-conquer thing where each of the composers had to make four or five different songs. They're really, really zany. They often use things that are not instruments as (laughs) instruments. There's one really cool... uh, There's a cool race. I think they're just called the Satellites. Um, They're uh, like these satellite drones that are sent out throughout the galaxy. And they're... uh, Their primary purpose was just to act as, like, communications beacons to give information to people, but they've been reprogrammed to destroy everything because they've been, like, nefariously reprogrammed to recognize any life form as hostile. So their music, instead of an instrument of a piano or something, it's like a person saying, we come in (laughs) peace. But it's played as, like, a melody. So it's like, we coming, we coming, 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 we coming, coming. It's really freaky and robotic and, like, broken robot sounding, which is very funny. And it's, like, this total... uh, uh, It's it's just totally in conflict with the fact that they're completely uh, hostile Mm. to everybody. So that's really funny. Um... I'll probably, I don't know, I'll probably choose one of these songs as the uh, outro (laughs) music to today's podcast. They're just so, so zany and creative. No two songs are alike whatsoever. Some of them are drop-dead gorgeous and very catchy and emotional and melodic. Some of them are like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, I don't know, they're like uh, discordant, that's the word that I'm trying to find, where they kind of try to establish their own rules and then they break their own rules just for the sake of being weird, alien, squishy, gushy mm-hmm. music. Uh, and the I'm, I'm certain that the inspiration that these composers must have gotten it had to have been from concept art because they fit very, very well with these really squishy, gushy, alien, freaky-looking monsters. Huh. That's interesting that, yeah, that's that's cool that they would have probably done that. I think that I think that must have yeah. been the case. Mm. It's got to be. I can even see it going the other way around, where they might have had music first and then drawn yeah, aliens. Potentially, that, but it, I, that's cool when the visuals and the soundtrack go hand in hand like that. It's essential, yeah. I think. It's in, in this medium. I think it's absolutely yeah. essential. I should mention, by the way, I, th- I think that's as much as I have to say about Star Control 2, except that I also have, like... Oh, I'll put this in the show notes. I have all the open-source original versions of those songs, too, so that you can see how they were composed and steal oh, all the cool. instruments and stuff like that, too. Let me put that in my show notes before I forget. <laughs> um, I should mention that I don't play a lot of games with the developer commentary, but I did play a Golden Wake with the commentary, and I really liked what your composer had to say about the process oh, yeah, yeah. of kind of going back and forth with you and about choosing like the tempos and speeds of music mm-hmm. even. I think it was um, when you're walking around in, uh, what's the name of the town? Coral yeah. Gables. When you're walking around and at first it was too fast. Oh yeah, yeah, the Flagler Street Street. That was me basically trying to right. pull a wood tick from Monkey Island 2. Oh yeah. Oh, is that about the tempo? Well, you were not going so much for? the tempo, just the idea of the main theme playing outside, theme. and then variants of it every time you go into a different uh, location. 
Oh, and I, I'm such a sucker yeah. for that. That was really, really Yeah, I like, I like the fact that AGS is able to do that through cross-fading. So, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. But, yeah, Pete well, had a lot uh, of it. Uh, Pete composer? Gresser. Oh, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he did. Job. He really did. Um, I didn't want to mention it because I thought it would be too self-absorbed, but I, I do think <laughs> that his soundtrack for A Golden Wake is fantastic and one of the better things he's well, it done. Was, it was really kind of illuminating for me because the first time I played that game, it was as a beta tester and there was no yeah, sound that's right. that's at right. all, or at least there was no music and no yeah. voiceover. And then when I played it again for the second time, it uh, it just kind of cast a whole new light on, on yeah his his soundtrack kind of added like a whole lot more to that game. It really yeah. did. I don't remember. I, I don't think I've listened to it. I think I I pre-ordered it, which gave me mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Does that sound like something that? Uh, yes, the soundtrack was included with pre-order. I'm gonna go listen to that again today. I think because that was a a real like ragtime. Yeah, kind of a... absolutely. Um, also, yeah, if, if I can squeeze one. one last one in real quick, because you talking about Star Control made me think of squeeze yes, away. made me think of another space-related uh, game which has an amazing soundtrack. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. I Go for guess. it, Mass Effect. No, I never played Mass Effect actually. Oh, that has a terrific soundtrack actually by Jack Wall. But what were you? Gonna I say? was going to say Wing Commander. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which I did not appreciate until very recently, as I've told the story about 80 times. Uh, but yes, right. Wing Commander, fantastic soundtrack. Oh, right, because your computer had yep. no sound card I, at the time. Yeah, I told, I told the story on this very podcast, actually, the last time. Yeah. Ah. Yes, the fat man, George Sanger. Awesome soundtrack. And another that's another really cool like dynamically changing soundtrack. Not quite as smooth as um as uh, LucasArts figured out how to do with yeah. iMuse, but uh it does a really good job of reflecting what's going on on screen and whether it's really urgent. Like if you're in combat, it plays one kind of music. If you're in combat and you're the guy you're supposed to be guarding is almost yeah. dead, then it changes yeah. or if you're almost dead, then it changes. Mm-hmm. You know and, you're uh, really in if trouble. If you're flying back from your mission and you failed it or you passed it, then it's happier sad yeah, music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really nice, effective set of building blocks, but uh, exciting kind of compositions of uh, orchestral spaceflight music. I don't know what it is about space <laughs> and orchestras that go. Yeah, it really does. Per se, you'd think it would be techno yeah. or something, but orchestras are what. We I blame Stanley on. Kubrick. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Two thousand and one, I think, kind of. Set yeah, the stage. it really did. Yeah. All right. right. My my tummy is telling me that it's almost time for the podcast to wrap All right. up. Yeah, my tummy is telling me too even though I ate before we started. I'm I'm hungry again because sitting here talking about game music really works up an appetite. Yeah, it, it does. I know. I feel like yeah, we we will we'll take a, a trip to Fat Island <laughs> then and uh <laughs> suck on some delicious tubes of yummy goo. <laughs> if only I still... I got to see that in the remaster. Oh man, thing. if only I, I still it... had I was going to say, if only I still had iTunes open, but iTunes takes like two seconds. You should you should close out with the Fat Island music. Okay, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> From the remastered edition, yes. All right, I shall do that precisely. That is such an unforgettable <laughs> video gaming moment. Too, yes, it absolutely is. Governor Fat? Yeah, Governor the Fat. There yeah. you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us, Francisco. Great to have you thank on the you show for, once again. We'd love yeah, to have thank you back. for having me, and I'd love to be back. It's always a pleasure. Oh, 
Real pleasure. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that we can uh, plug for you or mention before we leave? Uh, well, I mean, you you always are very kind and gracious enough to often mention the Blue Cup Tools podcast that I do with Ben oh, Chandler. Uh, so if you're interested in checking that out, you can find us on iTunes or you can follow us on Twitter at, at BCT underscore podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Grundislav Games. That's G-R-U-N-D-I-S-L-A-V Games. Um, it's been a while since I've heard that. Yeah, yeah it's all right. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can go buy a Golden Wake if you listen to the soundtrack and you haven't played it and you listen to it and you like it. Uh, go fly a Golden Wake. And otherwise, just look out for any games that I do with Wajedi Games. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it, really. That'll do it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very, very much once again. And listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear your best sound. Oh, yeah. Didn't, did you, uh, did, you didn't have any voicemails or letters this week, did you? No voicemails or letters this oh, week. Well, I on, recorded up, last week's podcast late in the week because I was traveling on the weekend, so I don't think I gave any oh, time okay. to write well, to us. fair enough. Yeah. Next time, hopefully. We'd really love to hear what uh, game soundtracks uh, yeah. you all love. Um, so until then you can reach us on the web at squarefm.demodulated.com um, email is squarefm at demodulated.com and twitter is at squarewavesfm and so with that I guess we will bid you adieu and uh, leave it to uh, Governor Fat to uh, squash his way <laughs> into your eardrums ooh that was very uh, very jabberific <laughs> alright so long everybody thanks for Bye. joining us Bye-bye.